Get it going. It's time to get up. The players want to play. The commissioner wants to play. There's some teams that are really unsure about this. But every realizes, everybody realizes you have to play. These guys are here to break it all down. Everyone's excited about the 21 season. We want to see our great athletes get back onto the field. So, you know, we're, um, we're fighting through and looking forward to 21 when we can resume great CFL football. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. All right, love you guys. See ya. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Hey, how you doing, Metro Vancouver? It is uh, Hump Day, Wednesday, November the 18th. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, if they ever get back to playing. Sportsnet 650, James Sabalski here, Perry Zolkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, hanging with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650. Dunbar Lumber text line, always open for business, 650-650 at Sportsnet 650 on Twitter. Joe Volkop's going to join us in an hour. Pair, I don't know if I ever like. I don't know how long it's been since Eddie dropped that that L bomb on us. Uh, what? It's got to be at least a year or so. But I still. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to stay the middle of last year. Eddie said, uh, I-, "I love you." Just the conversation we have. You know, we do this show, and, and Eddie so often is actually on our meetings, at least clicked into our meetings, and he does say he wakes up. Some people listen to music. He listened to us. Shout out to you and good morning, Eddie, if you're up at 9 a.m. in Florida. But why do you do you think he's lost the love for us? Is that where you're going with this? No, I think Eddie's I think Eddie still likes us a little bit. I think. Oh, I'm quite sure he does. <laughs> if we need if we need a uh we're in a situation you need help. It's the phone a friend and we're not talking uh, you know, we're we're not playing a game show, but we just we're in a tough spot. Eddie or Bert, who answers? Or Berkey? Hmm. If you need two <laughs> answers, where are you going? You just, you, I don't know if it's, it wouldn't be advice. You just, hey, I'm in a tough situation. Who is willing to listen more in a phone call? First off, neither, all three of them. No one's picking up on the first three or four rings when they no. see it's your name or my name. No, it'll go to voice. There's a lot of hesitation. Back. Yeah, it's probably I will say this. Uh, I think they. I think they all do. I did call Berkey last summer, uh, looking for some guidance in a situation for a friend, uh, legal and and player situation, and he was funny. He's Berkey at his best. Uh, I would go Berkey simply because he's older and more mature. Berkey may think he could give us fatherly advice. Yeah, as he does I feel like, yeah, And then, damn it, we plugged this book for six months. I don't know. I think uh, I think Berkey would probably take a few days to to get back. You know, in a moment of need. So I'm gonna lean towards Eddie. Sorry, Bert. I would, but I feel like Eddie is yeah. a little more grounded at times. Eddie can be a little more emotional, but I feel like Eddie can also be a little more grounded. I'm gonna go with Eddie with his perspective on life. I, I would, I would, uh, I would say if you need someone to come in a drop everything, Eddie's the guy. Yeah, yes. listen how quickly he threw out the L word to us. Yeah. All right, love you guys. Right. He's also got a place in Florida there, Perry. So if we like really said we're down in the dumps and we needed, you know, you know, need some help, you know, I'd rather go to Florida than I would Toronto at this time of the year or Detroit where Bird is. Without hesitation, if we were in Florida and called Eddie, he would invite us to his place. 
to stay. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's because he's got nothing to do other than golf. <laughs> and would enjoy the conversation, right? Like he wouldn't want us go. to leave. And and if, you know what? If tomorrow Berkey's back on the show with us, we will change our tune tomorrow morning at this time and basically say how much we love Brian Burke over both Eddie and Burke. But but the thing is, if we mention the situation to Berkey, he'd go, I would never I wouldn't even walk across the street for you guys. Right. So we'll see. I did the bad uh, thing before we, the show started. I checked yeah. the weather forecast. It's just rainy. Yeah, but it's mild. It's, it's all right. I mean, it's rained like did you lose power? Did you lose power yesterday? No, but man, I saw like a massive tree come down in your neck of the woods. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, shut down the road. I'll give credit to my wife and her Zoom conference. She had a big meeting yesterday. Very well prepared. She wrote all these numbers down. And as the meeting started, she said, hey, man, the wind is just howling up here. So FYI, you could lose me at some point. And then 20 minutes later, just whoom, whole house went down. And then she very diligently called in, missed about a minute of her meeting, was back in. I wasn't gone that long. I don't know how other parts of the province. We lost it for maybe a half an hour. Uh, but it did screw me around because I've got the the light at the end of the driveway that I like to have on early in the morning as I walk the dogs and that half hour now has taken off the whole timer situation. So it wasn't on this morning. Pissed Dude, like we had, like, it looked like if you were going to film a video for the Seattle Kraken and they were unveiling uh, for the water and, and a sea monster coming out of the sea, like where we were down in Boundary Bay yesterday, it was, it was intense, man. It was intense. So we, we survived. The wind came down. There was a big tree that was hanging, dangling, or a giant branch at the schoolyard where our kids go to school. Uh, so the kids all had to exit an opposite way, but we're alive. We're alive. That's a good thing. I like storm. I like storms like that as long as no one gets hurt. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Nobody died. Yeah, it's okay. Just hey, unsettle us, man. Try and shake us more. Come on, come you come at me. Twenty twenty, come at me, man. We're in like the. I like to always go fifteen round fights because that's when I really loved it when fights were fifteen rounds, but. We're in round 13, man. We got like six, seven weeks. Like, keep on throwing it at me, 2020. Keep on throwing it at me. We can handle it. Um, Louis Jean from TVA Sports is going to join us. We're going to check in on what the uh, Montreal Canadiens are up to in the, this offseason. So it looks more and more like we are going to get a Canadian division. But Elliot Friedman last night here, Pear, re- reporting, uh, and he was on the program with uh, Andrew Walker and Sat Shaw last night on Sportsnet 650 here. Uh, but he was basically saying that, you know, if you go back to the CBA that was reached between the players and the owners when this pandemic had gone down, Players had essentially agreed to collect about 72% of their gross pay for the upcoming season. So 10% of that was going to be a deferment. 20% was going to go to escrow. And the players were kind of under the, under the understanding that that's the deal. Well, but, you know, obviously arenas aren't going to be packed anytime soon. And so owners are kind of thinking, maybe we should be thinking prorated salaries. So... Both the commissioner and the players, they want to drop the puck on this, but obviously money and COVID are huge hurdles. The New York Post reported that the NHL is now asking for an additional 13% salary deferment on top of, you know, the other 30%. It's not an official proposal, but it's certainly a discussion that's being had. So that would essentially drop the players' gross pay for this upcoming season to about 62% while eliminating the need to prorate. Now, the reports at this point, the current option for one thing on the table is a 60-game season, 
play in your own arenas, kind of Major League Baseball-style setup, divisional matchups only, and the Canadian division is going to be a part of it. Here's what Friedman had to say about this scenario and where things sit right now. The players want to play. The commissioner wants to play. There's some teams that are really unsure about this, but everybody realizes you have to play. And I think the players are going to want some assurances on, you know, when this is going to be paid out of schedule and things like that. They've already agreed to one deferment, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is the answer to what we're looking at. Someone also suggested to me, well, the ask is 13, maybe it ends up at 10. You know, we'll see. But I think the league is smart enough to know that this is the better path in terms of getting the players on side of you inside than asking for prorated money. And so I think they're going to work at this. And like I said, I, I've been told that it's not a formal proposal yet, but it's, it's more along the lines of, um, okay, this is what we're, we're talking about here. Okay. So that's, that's where things sit. Um, like you look at where it is. I mean, that's a huge pay cut for players right now. When you think about it, you're looking at if you were making a million dollars, now you're down to about six hundred and twenty thousand dollars before taxes, right? Before agent fees. Like <laughs> you'll be lucky to see maybe thirty percent of your salary this year, maybe. Yeah, don't go down that road, NHLPA. Don't go down that road and be jerks and say. And argue over dollars and cents in this climate. We saw what happened with Major League Baseball, and the numbers for Major League Baseball players are a lot different than they are for NHL players. They make a lot more money. But look at the stink that kind of went on them. Like, really? In this world in which people are going through such difficult times, you're asking to have part of your salary deferred. And if you were going to play the financial problem now, and I can't see them doing it. This is the one league that actually got a CBA done during the pandemic, which was amazing. The relationship is great. I think when you hear Elliot and you hear others go, hey, they want to play. The league wants to play. Find it out. And I mean, the job of insiders are to go, hey, here's what's on the table. And I can understand that. I can't see it being a stumbling block. And yeah, James, you do the math. I think a million dollars might bring you, you know, four hundred, three hundred thousand dollars when you're done. You, you can't use those numbers with everyday people. So don't get into the numbers game. It'll make you look terrible. My curiosity is this. If indeed they do play home games in their individual cities, how much is too much to see a team? Calgary's not going to come in for one day. Are they here to play two? Would they play three and then leave? How much is too much when a team comes to your building to play? Well, I mean, it, it sounds like back-to-backs are going to be on the table, which if you get, sure. two, games, if you get two games in, I mean – um. Yeah, I. I don't. I think. I think two games is enough to go back to backs. I mean, the. I mean, I guess the reality is this. Um. It's not. It's not an elimination series when these teams are playing division. And I. Hey, look. You know, back to back games against the Flames. A back to back game. I mean, we've seen back to backs with teams going. You know, the Oilers and the Canucks. You play one game here. You play one game in Edmonton. Um, you know, you get a little more intensity, you get a little more heat uh, with the return leg, the following matchup. I, I think it works. I think, you know, I think if you're a fan, you know, three straight games and it's not an elimination series, I think you might also run into, as much as we all love and romanticize over the idea of the Canadian uh, divisional, uh, you know, opportunity here that presents itself, 
think you still get a little fatigued. It's like, oh, hey, okay, so you played the Jets on Friday and you played them again on Saturday, and now, oh, Monday night, you're going to play the Jets again. You know, nobody's getting eliminated here, right? It's just, oh, it's the Jets again, right? Yeah, that's what that's what I wonder. See, I think I could handle three, but you're right. The only time you see a team three times is, you know, okay, something's on the line. They could eliminate them here. Yeah. Um, not the case with that. So you might be, oh, the Jets Friday, the Jets Saturday, the Jets again. By game three, you may go, oh, my God, when is Toronto here? Oh, they're here Tuesday. We're going there. Uh, guaranteed it has to be back-to-back, but I wonder if they're putting that on the table too. How many games would you play against an individual team? You're saving money as far as travel is concerned. Uh, but it does all point to at some point they're playing um, because they want to. And, hey, you may not want the first salary, but where else you go, man? You got to work. And their job is to play hockey. And I, I think we'll get there a lot. I'm, I'm optimistic we're seeing hockey in January. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, I, I just – you look at the landscape, man, between the players and the owners. Like my first year of covering the NHL was 94-95, three lockouts ago. And I would say, like, the climate right now, pair. This is as good a relationship I think I can ever recall between the players and the owners. Like, there just isn't that contentiousness. And, and we've talked about this for years here since this radio station has launched. I'm wondering about a CBA getting done. And I was quite confident all along, like, we are not going to see a work stoppage. This is not going to be an issue. And it hadn't been. And, like, they wound up getting it done in the middle of a COVID time. So maybe that was kind of a unique scenario. But I just don't think that there's been the appetite. Obviously, escrow is an inconvenience. It sucks. I think it's annoying for the players. They don't love it. But I think the owners were willing to recognize that and try to work around it. Then all of a sudden a global pandemic hit and everybody's business took a bit of an ass kicking unless you're named Amazon or, you know, or you're a building supply mm-hmm. company like Dunbar Lumber. But it's it's certainly been unique. But, you know, the, the main thing for a lot of people is that, hey, we're going to get a Canadian division. And from a Canadian division standpoint, that's exciting for meaningful games up here. And joining us here on the line this morning from TVA Sports on the other side of the country this morning is our good friend, Louis Jean. Louis, good morning, sir. Good morning. It is way, way, way too early, even on the East Coast, to be talking about escrow and stuff like that. <laughs> way too early. Good point. I'll, I'll give you that. Pair. So this is an escrow-free zone here for the next uh, conversation. Really? Come on. Don't bring us down. Escrow, escrow. Uh, well, put yeah. it this way. I mean, I, you know, you had, uh, you've got so many great sources, and I, I think you had wondered at some point, you know, would we get there? Do not have a positive feeling, uh, unlike where we were last spring, that there will be hockey in January? Oh, there's no doubt. I, I don't think they can. I don't think they cannot play. To be honest with you, and you know, it's funny because just about a half an hour ago, I was talking to an NHL coach, and uh, you know, and he, and he feels that you know, and he so, he was telling me like we don't even know when training camp is going to begin. I'm not sure when I'm reporting to my team. Uh, so, you know, we're not even sure exactly what our training camp is going to look like because you know, it's tough to plan when you when you don't really know when you're going to. You know, to, to have to report when the players are showing up. Uh, there's just so many different pieces that sort of need to come together. But I think the fact that the NBA announcing they want to they want to get up and running on the 22nd of December, whether they actually pull that off or not, I, I'm not sure. But you clearly know and see that you know that they want to get back. I mean, they want to get things going again. So I think that puts a lot of pressure on the NHL 
they can't just give the market and let and let the NBA sort of take over. They do, definitely don't want to do that. But on the flip side, as you guys know, I mean, COVID, um, you know, is is the worst we've seen since the beginning of the pandemic in the U.S. and and even in a lot of places where you guys are, uh, you know, across the country. And so, man, it's just it's so difficult to to plan. But there's no question in my mind. I would put my house. I'd bet my house that for sure the NHL will have action. We'll be back on the ice uh, at some point in January. I'm not sure if I completely buy and think that it's plausible or possible that they actually start on January 1st. But I think at some point in January, you know, uh, the season will, will commence again. I sure hope your family's not listening because I'm sure they'd love to hear that you're willing to put your house up on the line for. Uh, for a <laughs> um, yeah, it's Louis, a very tell me small this. house. Nobody really wants it anyway. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> Time to upgrade. Um, hey, listen. Yeah. I, you, you look at the idea of the Canadian division, and it, it's funny when you look across the landscape. You know, five years ago, I think like this country when it came to NHL teams was a wasteland. Like all these teams seem to be in rebuilds. Right now, I think you, you can look at almost five of them that you can say, or or I think there's a sense of hope in every market except Ottawa right now that you say, you know what, I think we got a shot. And you look at what the Habs did this, this offseason here. Man, like they checked the boxes and everything that they needed to upgrade on. They got bigger on D, they got bigger up front, they added more scoring. Give me a sense of what the mood in Montreal is right now for the Habs going into this season, Luke. It's dropped the puck. I mean, we wanted. I think a lot of fans really liked uh, what they saw in the bubble. They they liked uh, sort of the, the competitive nature and the fact that the, you know, their goaltender, the All Star uh, Carey Price, was at a top uh, notch level that we hadn't really seen in a while. He was dominant. He was as good as I had seen him in probably since the year where he won the Hart and the Vesna. And he just seemed focused. He seemed like a guy who was trying to send a message. Listen, this may be, uh, you know, this may be my last chance. And so I think that that really got a lot of people, uh, people's attention. Uh, Shea Weber was very, very good as well. And so all these moves that Mark Bergevin made to get uh, Josh Anderson and to get Tyler Toffoli, who, as you guys know, um, spent a part of the season last year with the Vancouver Canucks, um, you know, to, to get guys like that, Joel Edmondson to shore up and, and, beef up a little bit the blue line uh the fans are really excited to see what's going to happen because you talked about the rebuild and i think there's a lot of people that are getting very very cynical and questioning the mark bergevin plan and, and i think that um you know guys like shea weber and Kerry price were very vocal last summer saying well not this one but the previous one uh saying you know i'm not getting any younger i want a chance to win i only play for the opportunity to try and win a championship and I think that, uh, not that he, not that he, you know, hadn't heard the message, but I think that Mark Bergevin wanted to do things the right way. And when the, you know, when the opportunity was presented itself, uh, he, he felt that, you know, I have to try and give this team, give these veteran players, uh, an opportunity. I have to surround them a little bit better. And so, uh, by getting Josh Anderson, who I think brings really a dimension that you see very little of in the NHL, that's something that, uh, that, that really is enticing to him to, to, end up coming to Montreal, but also just shows the, the, the fan base and the players really that they want to take a shot at it. They're, they're, I'm not saying that they're contenders right away, but I think that they're certainly building towards that and they've taken a major step. Now, the big thing, of course, is so you sign all these players, will the chemistry be there? Will, will it all sort of gel together? But there's one thing that you haven't had in Montreal 
in a long time, and that is competition from within. There is going to be guys that are going to be, you know, perhaps the last few years were in a cushy situation where they didn't really have to feel threatened about the minutes they were playing or getting some power play time. Now, all of a sudden, there's going to be that competition in the locker room for your minutes, and I think that can be a very healthy thing. Louis Jean joining us this morning on Starting Lineup. Louis, man, I, I, everyone loves the additions they've had. Chemistry, as you said, will be one thing. Is everyone convinced that down the middle, Suzuki, Koke, and Yemi are, are there now? They are legit guys, and they won't fall despite only a couple years of NHL experience. Well, that's the big question, Mark. Um, you know, and they traded Max Domi away because that just didn't seem to be a fit. It just didn't seem to work uh, to get Josh Anderson. You know, I, I think that the say that they've arrived uh, would be a grave mistake. They're still very young, and, and they took major steps forward um, in the bubble. There's no question about that. Nick Suzuki and Jonathan Kawhi, that chemistry, they really started to click. They, you know, there is some magic there, but they're still young, and so you have to expect that at some point they're going to hit a wall again. You have to expect that you know they won't necessarily be able to have that level and, and, and do that on a regular basis. If they can, well, that's a bonus. And so that's when the veterans have to come in and, and have an impact and carry those guys a little bit. Hey, let's not forget that Jesperi Kotkaniemi was in the AHL. He was sent down to the AHL last year. They had no plans in even bringing him in the bubble because first he got you know he got injured, and then because things went on so long and, and there was such a long period before the NHL got up and running again, they eventually brought him in because he, he trained. He was able to sort of get back from and recuperate from that injury. But they had lost complete faith in him and his ability to be able to contribute uh, last year. They were, you know, surprised and happy to see that he was able to find the confidence back. And he, and he found sort of that jam in his game that he needed. But he's still young. Like, he's still super young. So, yes, that's, that's I think, a, is a major concern. You've got probably your top two centers. Well, let's not forget Philip Deneau. And he's one of the guys I think that right now is probably a little miffed with some of the contracts that have been, you know, given out handed out to certain players. He's on, on the last year of his contract. He's the number one centerman, but all of a sudden in the bubble, he was the third-line center. So he's probably got his nose out of joint a little bit. He's probably a little uh, pissed off with, you know, the treatment he's getting, which I think can be a very, very good thing. Uh, but you're right, I think, you know, the, the top two centers in the playoffs were Yasperi Katkenyemi and Nick Suzuki. Is that realistic for a, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 um, you know, season game plus the playoffs, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I think that you're definitely going to have to probably adjust a little bit. And, and you're not going to get the consistency that you would get from a Jonathan Taves or from a Sidney Crosby or those kind of guys. That's, you know, that's obvious. So that means that you're going to have some rough patches for sure. You added uh, another big body with Stanley Cup uh, ring experience, and that's in Joel Edmondson. You added... You know, a few more bodies that can give you at least 20 goals and to Foley and Anderson uh, with that potential. You see the rise in Kotkaniemi. You see the rise in Suzuki from the playoffs, as you had mentioned. Um, and then not only that, you, you also look at, you know, adding Jake Allen as well to help yeah. Carey Price get some rest over the course of the year. With all that being said, with all the excitement here across the country with the Canadian division, do you believe that the Habs could win the Cup this year? I don't think it's impossible. I mean, I, yeah. I you know, I, 
why not? It, to me, it comes down to, you know, uh, what you've got between the pipes. And, and Carey Price, the reason they, they end up getting Jake Allen and the reason they, they extend them is because they, they've been a little thin in that position in, in the backup for a few years now. And they just haven't had the trust, the trust level that you need to say, Carey, take the night off, relax, don't have to worry, uh, you know, and to, and to give them – you know, the kind of time off that you need, especially with a condensed schedule that's coming up and what we saw even in the bubble and everything, they just didn't have that luxury. Now they do. They're spending a lot of money between the pipes, between Allen and Carey Price. But I think for me, and, and listen, I know this is cliche. I know we, I've said this on this show and on many other shows over the last few years, but it, it all, all roads go through Carey Price. That's ultimately, you know, what, uh, what it comes down to. When he's on his game, uh, he's absolutely dominant. He's, you know, he's, he gets in, in the other players' heads. There's no question about that. Um, and so for me, if, if he is in the zone, if he can be as dominant as he can be and as he's shown he can be in the past, as he was at times even this year in the bubble with a team that doesn't have a lot of depth and didn't have a lot of, you know, firepower up front, then there's no question that Montreal could be one of those stories, uh, Cinderella stories that you know uh, that could win a championship. Now, do I think it's 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 very likely? Probably not. I'm not sure they're there yet, but I think the moves that they made sort of bring them in that conversation, no doubt. Yeah, forty-one I, to I, one odds, and yeah. they made a nice move with the jersey too. I like that idea, Simon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I I, I, don't, I don't know if I love the jersey, but I would say they were the best of like a very weak lot. Yeah, Louis, nice to catch up with you, man. You uh, nice nice to hear from you, and uh, you stay safe over there, and and we'll uh, we'll talk again real soon because I think uh, I think we're gonna get uh, the puck dropping on this hopefully sooner rather than later. It will. Uh, I'm I'm almost certain, and I can't wait. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Louis. Uh, there he is, Louis Jean from TVA Sports, uh, weighing in with his thoughts on the Montreal Canadiens as the NHL trying to get closer to dropping the puck. All right, 26 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Wednesday morning. He's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Sabalski. Seaball says just around the corner, and why Florida is no longer a joke, at least this week. Plus, Jimmy Fallon pranking the entire sports universe. That's all still ahead right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup. With James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. All right, 631. More rain in the forecast today, but it will be mild, so we'll take that as a small victory here. Uh, Ed Jovanovski will join us uh, just after 7 o'clock here on this uh, Wednesday edition. James Sabalski here, Perry Solkowski there. Uh, we'll get to see Ball says in just a few minutes as well. Uh, looking at a high of around nine degrees there, Pear. Nothing that, uh, nothing wrong with that. You know, I think I have to channel my positive Perry for everybody. You've kind of okay. went away from it for a bit. Surgery can do that to you. Um, but our poll question this morning is: When do you expect the 2021 NHL season to start? We just talked with Louis Jean. He's willing to bet his house on it. He's now alerted the wife and kids. And they are going tent shopping just in case. But 6% of the people in our poll question say it won't happen, that they won't play. Come on, people. We're moving the right way as far as a vaccine. we got to get smarter with what we're doing. And these guys will be corned off. They'll have their private planes. They'll play. We just heard about Chris Wall talking about the NBA. 
think they won't play until after February. Again, people negative, negative. They'll play before then. 26% say January 1st. I think the, the date most people feel will happen, James, is January 15th. There's 28% there. But, uh, you know, that's 44% of the people say, you know, February or later or it won't even happen. People, positivity on this rainy Wednesday, please. You they know, will play. I, I, I'll say that the NHL, the advantage that they have to get back to business and, you know, it's not like you're worried about arena conflicts right now for in, in places like Vancouver. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you've got NBA teams, then obviously you, you'll worry about the scheduling uh, quirks there. Uh, but at the same time, like they took care of the draft. They've taken care of free agency. Like that's all kind of five, six weeks in the past now, right in the rearview mirror. So they should, in theory, be ready to go um, once the green light is given. I, I think they'll be able to get this going sooner rather than later. Uh, I'll tell you this much. I, I think I think January 1st is probably still uh, a target date. I think it's still doable. I mean, it, here we are, what? It's November 18th, right? If you get if you get everything sorted here in the next week or so when it comes to the salaries, you know, I guess the holdup is, all right, like you're going to have to deal with COVID logistics, but the sooner they play, the sooner they, the more wiggle room they have to deal with players testing positive, right? Because it's going to happen. Like we've seen it with the NFL. We've seen it with, you know, Major League Baseball this year. When you've played in your own city, you've tried to go a little more sense of normalcy. Guys are going to test positive. I mean, that's just how it is. If you're not bubbling everybody up, you are going to have positive tests. And like, You still have players scattered around the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, you'll have to deal with some quarantine. So I believe they've got till the end of November. They've got whatever that is, 12, 13 days to get a deal done, figure yeah. out the financial ramifications to play January 1st. I think the one part, and I will give them that, that players may push on. You know, they're trying to see how much they defer, what that'll be. They'll have to figure out the dollars and cents. They will. I could see players, and Elliot's talked about it before, going, you know what, Uh, we're going to play. We understand that we'll have a bubble simulation if that's the situation. We'll play at home, and we'll we'll be away for two or three weeks on the road and then back. Um, I do think the actual holiday break, the Christmas season, as strange as it will be, might be something where the players go, listen, we'll show up December 27, give you two weeks of training camp, and then drop that puck January 15th, and we're ready to go. I think Bettman wants January 1st. I think the players would say, give us that couple weeks. Give us the holidays. Let's put this 2020 to bed, and we're ready to drop it January 15th. That's why I think mid-January is when they go. Okay, so yesterday on Jimmy Fallon, um, Jimmy kind of had some fun with NFL players who wanted to, in turn, have some fun with us members of the media. Yes, the great unwashed, if you will. And, and this was kind of creative, Pear, where Fallon and the, and, the, and the Jimmy Fallon, the late-night team, convinced players across the NFL to drop in lines that nobody would really understand the context for unless we kind of were filled in on the joke. I love the challenge. I love players who pick this up. Man, sports is too serious. I know where we are in the world right now, but really? We're talking about guys who might have to defer salaries and their million dollars might only bring them 400000 You talk about baseball players, but football players, yeah, their career is not long. 
but why not have some fun and laugh at what you do? So it was a wonderful challenge that he had. Uh, DK Metcalf had to compare his touchdowns to catching a Pokemon. Uh, Gronk was incredible, uh, where he had to use a maple syrup metaphor. And, you know, no one knew that. Travis Kelsey had to use a phrase, take it easy, like a roller coaster tycoon. Actual phrases that you go, I guess that makes sense in the realm of, oh, this guy has a personality. And uh, it was fantastic to hear the answers. And all of a sudden, this phrase that isn't the old, give it 110%. Okay. So here's here's DK Metcalf. And, and as you mentioned, DK's line was, a touchdown pass is like Pokemon. I got to have them all. And here's how his uh, Zoom media conference went favorite part about being a receiver is it catching touchdown passes at your dance celebrations uh i believe catching catching the touchdown passes because you know they're like pokemon to me i gotta gotta have them all <laughs> see that was easy yeah i thought that was easy for dk because it was right there now gronk when he has to go to maple syrup and everyone knows listen Gronk will have a career i think he won a WWE belt for you he was doing some fox stuff comes back watch how Gronk who has to deal with maple syrup and kind of the communication and chemistry he has with so do you Tom have the Brady. line do, do, do you know do you know the line that he's got uh yeah he's got Gronk has to lay down um what do we have or something Must with be, the drizzle they, bizarre maple syrup metaphor right must be maple syrup because butter don't drizzle like that. Here we go. What makes that connection with you guys on that particular throw so difficult for anybody to defend? Yeah, I mean, it's like a saying my mom used to say. Uh, it must be maple syrup because uh, butter don't drizzle like that. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can't, it hurts for me to laugh. There was a follow-up. And the, the best thing was is some media member like, can you go back to what your mom was talking about, what she meant by that? So, like, here's Gronk just trying to play along. And, man, he did a nice job of tap dancing. Then there was Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey's a bit of a personality to begin with. His line that was given to him from the Fallon show, take it easy, roller coaster. Take it easy, roller coaster tycoon. Yeah, say that three times fast. Take it easy, roller coaster tycoon. How did he work that in? There's not a week that goes by where Coach – Coach Reed isn't going to get on you, man. He's, he, that's, his, that's his job, you know? Sometimes you just got to be like, take it easy, roller coaster tycoon. <laughs> that's excellent work. To, to bring that to Coach Andy Reed, for Gronk to take it to something my mom used to say, uh, that was awesome stuff for the players to work it in. And you know what? If you don't know that, I bet you most of the reporters there, James, like how many press conferences have we sat through? You go, oh, that was funny. At least that's something that, you know, it's just refreshing to hear something than the, the life or death that unfortunately comes at the end of football game. Like it is so somber or finally you have some personality. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it keep, keeps us on our toes. And I think for, for a lot of us, you just kind of, all right, well, I've never heard that expression before, but like, okay, that's that's how they're rolling. When I, when I was leaving my job, I did a half hour show, the sports paid version in Edmonton. And and knew I was I was moving to Vancouver. I had two weeks left, and I you know I wasn't gonna. I think Mikey was still there. I, I wasn't going to, you know, not go. Hey, I'm not working. Yeah, just figure it out. You know, everybody else can do the show for two weeks. So I did it. And the producer at the time, who works for Sports, that Michelle Jones, just to keep me interested, would give me bizarre phrases and go. Some point somewhere in the half hour, you have to say this. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. 
you know, and it, so how do you make it make sense, right? So Gronk came up with the, oh, my mom used to say, so it goes with it. Travis Kelsey came with uh, with Andy Reid. It's a great challenge. We'll, we'll accept the challenge on the text line, number lumber text line right now. Give us a phrase that somehow in the next two hours of this show, we could work in. I bet you we could do it and and not know. No one would know. Oh, they worked that out. You can and, do share the, and share the line by the end of the episode. What was the line? That well, we if, if we drop the line, I would say a minute later, go, hey, by the way, Tony, yeah, that's the line you gave. It's like it can't be out of control. Mm-hmm. But I think if it's something that's kind of obscure, you could go, okay, I bet you I can get there and get that in. It's Nothing that gets us fired. 650, 650. If you got a line you want us to try to work in, send it our way. We'll see if we can try to incorporate it into the show at your request and dedication. All right, let's get into Seaball Says. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball Says on Sportsnet 650. You know, we have often laughed at Florida being the butt of so many jokes. I mean, have you ever tried Googling your birthday along with Florida Man? New information about the man who drove a Ferrari off a dock into the Palm Beach Inlet the day after Christmas. Yeah, I mean, we watched in horror and disbelief as the Sunshine State partied hard as we all tried to tighten up our bubbles when COVID-19 first landed. But this week, yes, this week is a week to celebrate Florida, the home of the Magic Kingdom. When you wish upon a star Makes no difference who you are. See, yesterday the Panthers named Brett Peterson assistant general manager, making him what is believed to be the first black assistant general manager in the National Hockey League. The 39-year-old checks the boxes on a long journey with loads of experience, national title with Boston College, several years in pro hockey in the minors before becoming an NHL agent. Now, this isn't the only welcome news out of the most southeastern state in the United States. Just days prior, the Miami Marlins stepped up to the plate and named Kim Ng the first female GM of any of the four major North American pro sports leagues. Anything your heart desires will come to you. And both happened in Florida, of all places. A place where we've questioned poor behavior and rigged election results to name a few eyebrow-raising items. Sure, it's somewhat of a coincidence that both teams in different sports are in the same state. But Florida isn't a joke this week. Florida is the place that is facilitating change in sports where a black man is now an executive in the NHL and a woman is now running a Major League Baseball franchise. Sam Cooke, he nailed it all those years ago. But I know a change gonna come. Progress. And it's happening in Florida, of all places. When you wish upon a star, your dream. Now, the next step for all these stories is to simply become more routine and less about breaking barriers when equality feels more like a level playing field. And these announcements just become another sports transaction. And it will allow us 
to get back to simply Googling Florida Man and my birthday, which, for the record, brings up the headline, Man High on Drugs Crashes Car into Jail to Visit Friends. And that's Seaball Says for this November 18th. It's a good point. Uh, ironic that Florida is where something occurs change-wise. I think you look at the top of a food chain of both those clubs, and uh, you know it, it's it's been well documented how you know I, I don't care who or what you are, are you competent for the job? And that simply has to be the case. And they move that move there. And you know, to me, James, you look at it, and that becomes the headline. Uh, we saw a young hockey player a couple of weeks ago, junior player announced, an agent announced um, that they're gay. I'm just, who cares? It's sports. That's it. It's sports. And we'll, you know, hopefully we're getting closer to that. All right. There's a headline like nothing else because they're competent. They can do the job. They're a player and we move forward. But good point. Coming from Florida. Interesting. You know, and, and two franchises that I think have had a reputation in recent years that can't get out of their own way and, and two franchises being applauded for their moves and happening in Florida this week. All right, 645 here on this Wednesday edition of the starting lineup. He's Perry. I'm James. The Masters, Dustin Johnson making history over the weekend. But did anybody watch? Kind of goes back to that conversation. If a tree falls in the forest... We'll get to that next, right here on Sportsnet 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. All right, 10 minutes to uh, 7 o'clock. Joe Bocop will join us uh, in the 7 o'clock hour. Sabalski, Solkowski, and Masters ratings were uh, lower than Dustin Johnson's score at Augusta this past weekend pair. How about this? The final round on Sunday averaged a little over 5.5 million viewers on CBS, making it the lowest-rated Sunday at Augusta since 1957. Yeah, like Elvis was breaking onto the charts in those days. It was the least watched on record when you base it on viewership records going back to 1995. So NFL taking priority over DJ's quest to win the green jacket. Was it a case that like it wasn't really a race on Sunday or is it just people could not get into golf in November? Yeah, I'm going to say it's a little bit of both, but I think the November, uh, you know, we talked to Todd Furman from Bet the Board podcast every Thursday morning from Vegas and asked him, would there be a lot of action on it? He goes, you know, there normally is because the Masters ends and plays after March Madness. So your college football is done. So it's it's kind of got the entire sports plate there. You're getting set for playoffs. Uh, but in November, when you're going up against football, James, listen, I love my golf. You know that. And I like Dustin Johnson. But I'll tell you what, I flipped back and forth just to see, okay, I want to see what his tee shot on 16 is like. All right, I better time it so I can go and see what he's doing on 18. And all I did was flip back and forth from the NFL games. If I had my my TV on the last program, I had three NFL games, and then I'd check in on the Masters. Check in on the Masters. And I just think that's the case. Bad time. And I listen, a brilliant, brilliant four days of golf for Dustin Johnson. But there was no competition for the last three hours of that round on Sunday. No, there there wasn't. It, but it's 
you know, everybody I know that's a diehard golf fan all said the same thing. I didn't watch much. What didn't watch much? Didn't for 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 various reasons, but they didn't really watch. But look at the year that it's been. And I want to ask for for those of for those of you listening right now, the NBA Finals were down fifty percent this year. World Series was down thirty percent. Stanley Cup, and these are numbers based in America, okay? So just hear me out here for a second. The Stanley Cup final, viewership was down 61%. All three Triple Crown races uh, for, for in horse racing, down at least a third, right? The Saints and the Bucks, which was a pretty marquee matchup a week and a half ago on Sunday Night Football, it was the lowest rated and least watched Week 9 edition of Sunday Night Football in three years. And, you know... Ratings haven't been great for the last six weeks in Sunday Night Football. I mean, maybe it's a matchup thing, but it's there's something here. And I wonder how many people in COVID times have cut the cord on cable. That's what I wonder, Pear. Like, and and I ask and I ask our listeners at the Dunbar Lumber text line at six fifty six fifty. Like, how do you consume your content these days? Are you a streamer? Like, have you just simply gone to streaming, or or are you just not? into the off-peak scheduling that we're seeing games like hockey in the summer, basketball, you know, the, the NBA Finals in the fall. Like the World Series was still same time, same place, same bat channel, and yet nobody was really watching based on the numbers pair. Like I just wonder how many people are cutting the cord on this because it seems as though a lot of people are having a hard time getting back into sports as much as they say they miss it. They're not watching as much as they were. Yeah, I think you're a little negative there. Rub a little double bubble on that thing and be positive about it. Here's, I, I think you watch it, but it's just different. And by the way, there you go, Jason and East fan. I got your 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 saying in there. Um, here's, I agree with streaming. I think what we watch is different and what we consume. And I'll tell you this story. Shout out to everybody at uh, at Surrey Volvo, Barry Shazowski there. I'm there getting the, my car fixed last week. And he mentions to me, and, and you told me, but you didn't give me this nugget. He goes, yeah, I'm watching a lot of stuff on Amazon Prime. I go, yeah, you know what? I haven't spent the money on Amazon Prime. Like, you know, I don't need to spend that. He goes, well, you know, do you not have an Amazon Prime account? I go, I think my daughter does. He goes, well, if you have that, you can watch Amazon Prime for free. I'm just going, what? He tells me the steps. I've opened the, I haven't talked to him. Now I'm watching the boys. I'm getting into everything. <laughs> so I do think there are more options out there. And now you go, okay, I've got like five to-do lists of what I have to watch on Amazon Prime. And I think people are like that. So there is nothing routine about what we're doing. What is routine is a sports schedule that's been there for us for decades and has been altered a little bit. And some don't adjust as well to, okay, coming back. And that's the fear I have is when sports comes back, how quickly are people coming in to watch it? Because, you know, when it's not there, you go elsewhere. And that's why it's so important the NHL gets back on the ice as quickly as possible. You see, Pear, when it comes to Amazon Prime, it does not have to be hard when it is easy. Simple as that, my friend. And uh, shout out to Jono there who uh, had that challenge for us to work that in. But the point is this. If you aren't a sports fan, you don't need cable, right? You got Netflix, you got Disney Plus, you got Amazon Prime. Like, you don't need cable if you aren't a sports fan. But I think you're still paying, right? Yes, but if you're paying for a streaming device, I wanted to watch the NFL on Sunday TVs before. I'm not going to pay to watch that, right? So you're paying somewhere. But yes, cable, not as necessary. Yeah, but I mean, I've got like I've got the zone now, and I mean, if you're a diehard NFL fan, like, do you need cable if you just if if football is your thing? Like, 
you know, if you got to zone and you spend your 20 bucks a month or your 120 a year, that, you know, you're probably fine with that. Holy Germany. Yeah, that on the zone. What did they lose by five or six in Spain? Oh, no. what happened there? Yeah. Really, uh, everybody wanted to go back to the days of the Champions League win from earlier in the summer. All right, Jovo uh, Cop. There we go. Who? What? Eddie. Eddie is going to join us next right here on your home in the Vancouver Hockey Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. The players want to play. The commissioner wants to play. There's some teams that are really unsure about this, but everybody realizes, everybody realizes you have to play. These guys are here to break it all down. Everyone's excited about the 21 season. We want to see our great athletes get back onto the field. So, you know, we're um, we're fighting through and looking forward to 21 when we can resume great CFL football. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. All right, love you guys. See ya. This is the starting lineup with James Savolsky and Perry Solkowski. All right, three minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Wednesday morning. Sabalski, Solkowski, and a reminder, this hour is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber. The smart alternative is a Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Buter Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. Speaking of Dunbar Lumber, Dunbar Lumber text line is uh, hopping this morning here, Pear. A lot of people jumping in before we get to Jobocop, uh, who will join us in just a couple minutes. A lot of people jumping in on our conversation about, you know, from a – how you view and consume content now with the Masters ratings being down in the tank, but like Stanley Cup wasn't all that well watched. It's not like people are diving into the World Series or the NBA Finals. Uh, Frank Poco saying, I couldn't agree more. We canceled cable a couple of months ago and now stream only. It's half the price. DAZN carries all soccer and NFL cable is going the way of the dinosaur and VHS, folks. So um, there's Frank there. And you know, Jay and Lady Smith. I'm a sucker. I have Netflix, Disney Plus, Prime, and Crave, but I also still have sports specifically. Uh, still have cable specifically for sports. So Jay's like, he's just he's pushing his. Get, chips get a life, Jay. Get a life. <laughs> Jay should be a TV critic, man. He's got it all. Yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised. I will. I'll, I'll. Here's one of the things I remember about the 2010 Olympics. Uh, I, I, you, you know, you did, did speed skating for the consortium, the network mm-hmm. that covered it. I was up on the hill doing downhill. Um, and, uh, it was a men's race. Michael Janik was racing. Uh, the Janik's Brit and Michael uh, grew up in Whistler hometown favorites, both with a, a chance. And I, I saw Brit after I go to just see Mike race, but she was up training. She goes, you know, we stopped. I just watched it on my phone and I'm going, huh? What? You yeah, know, we just watched it quickly on the phone. Huh? So there it is in 2010, where it was, uh, okay, that's where it's going. And, and I agree, a lot of people have gone that way. Listen, I enjoy watching my news, so I'm a news junkie, but I, I can understand why people can stream events and, and watch their favorite leagues that way, that's for sure. Yeah, um, I, you know, somebody else, uh, I haven't had cable for over seven years, avid sports fan, but streaming is where I feel things are heading towards, and I'd rather uh, than having a hundreds of channels that you'll never watch. So uh, a lot of people kind of looking at, streaming as being the future and that's it like my my kids don't watch conventional cable they just don't you know and that's a generation like you know they're they're you know five nine twelve and you know they aren't they aren't watching like they want to watch find something on netflix or or disney plus right like they're not they're not looking yeah, at just, something saying hey i gotta see what's on uh, cbc right now no i just make sure you have a sports net and then do whatever else you want yeah I mean, they watch me on right. breakfast television when they when they when they could see us do the sports updates, but you know, mm-hmm. but 
Yeah, no, it's, it's changing. You're, and there's so many things you can watch, right? There's just so many games of streaming. Whatever your whatever your love is, whatever your sports frenzy is, there's a way you can find it um, as far as streaming devices. But I, I do think the Masters being down 50% when Eddie joins us. I know Eddie was watching the Masters, I'm sure. Uh, it's just in part, you're in November, you're in a football zone, and you've got a guy who, by the way, got some great stuff on Dustin Johnson in the uh, no BS, just PS later. Uh, you just you, There's nothing compelling other than the guy's destroying the golf course, and he's that good. Okay, let's move on and see what's going on in the late football game. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of uh, Ed Jovanovski, uh, he joins us now uh, and sent a wonderful text uh, to us this morning saying, why do I live here? Temperature 78 degrees. You know, nobody likes a show off there, Eddie. Come on. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, you know what? It's been so bad here that I'm actually excited to see some sun finally for, for the longest time. But What do you mean bad? We did it. We did have another event that was canceled today, unfortunately, because the course is still saturated to, to no end. So, um, yeah, so I guess I'll be just maybe jumping on my bike, going for a lower bike ride this morning. How long has your course been uh, uh, shut down? A couple of weeks already? Well, it's not fully shut down. It's just no carts, you know. So they're, uh, oh, yeah. they had the event with so many players that have signed up. Um, they figured that probably the attendance would dwindle because of the car, uh, you know, the walking rules. So I'll probably get out there later today, maybe walk nine holes, probably all the hip can handle. <laughs> You're the oldest guy on that. Like, are you the youngest guy that plays in your course? By, like, by are there far. a bunch of gray hairs there or give me the demographics who plays your golf course. Well, when I, when I first joined here, uh, I was in my mid twenties, uh, and I went to an event at the club, and probably I would say between sixty-five and eighty was the membership. <laughs> but it, it has it has gone a lot younger. There's a lot of kids in, in the uh, in the club now. Um, you're a four-time so, champion because you're beating eighty-year-olds. No, 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 no. We're in the championship division. There's some guys my age in that division. Pear, what are you talking about? Like. Like Perry, our own backyard, man. Like I, I was just reading something yesterday. I got, I got an email or a couple of days ago from the Delta Hospital Foundation uh, here in our community, and, and they were saying that I think twenty percent of the population in Delta is, you know, a seniors population, and it, within by twenty twenty four, four years from now, forty one percent of the of the community of the municipality will be a seniors population. Forty percent. Oh. It's not just Eddie, right. man. It's all of us. No, Meg. listen. I'll be four. I'll be. I'm. I'm 44. Um, in two months from now, I'll have two artificial hips at 44. <laughs> really? So I'm going in December 7th. I'm having my other hip. Um, Merry Christmas. You know, Here's a new hip. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it should be a fun holiday. But 20- Eddie. <laughs> Uh, the fact, as I as I sit here after hernia surgery on Friday, the second in six months for me, um, won't that artificial, like how much of a difference do you think that second hip surgery will do for you though? Because I've had some friends who've had it and it's just, it's a game, game changer now that not going to say they're back to normal, but I mean, you must yeah. be excited about the prospects, no? No, for sure, Perry. And when I had my uh, left side done five years ago or six years ago, um, you know, I was 38 and 
it's toward the end of my career, obviously, but I think it was more a, a movement of just quality of life. You know, everything was a challenge for me, putting my socks on, tying shoes, playing with the kids who were a little younger at that, at that point. Um, you know, so, and then, you know, had the surgery done and felt great and started skating and then decided, Hey, what the heck, let's give it a shot, played 50 games with it. So I know what to expect. I know it's going to be better, you know, just for everyday life. And, um, everybody in the household will be happy that I will stop bitching, you know, around the house. Cause sometimes I barely get off the couch. I got to get my kids to pull me off. So, um, I'm looking forward to it. It'd be a tough grind for, for a couple weeks. Um, but you're right. The doctor said they have made some advances that, you know, the healing and the time frame will be lessened. You earned that Olympic gold medal in 2002 in Salt Lake, buddy. You earned that literally <laughs> that's, that's with right. two new hips. It was all worth it. I got two yeah. fake hips. It was all worth it. And as they say, <laughs> hips don't lie, right? So, uh, hey, yeah, uh, right. earlier this week they announced uh, or Adidas and the NHL unveiled all these retro reverse jerseys. What did you like? What did you not like? Well, we, we we chatted briefly there about them. I, I I thought I didn't look at every team, but you know from what I saw, I thought they were all great. You know, I, I thought the Avs one with the with the you know mixing with the Nordiques was good. I thought the Panther one was was good. The Red Wings one was cool. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's neat. And I was trying, I was asking my son. He was asking me this question like two weeks ago about about these jerseys coming out and i i'm looking at it i'm like yeah yeah teams have third jerseys cole i mean i don't know what you're talking about and sure enough the other day these were all unveiled and it put put two and two together and and i thought the league and adidas did a great job i think they're gonna be cool what was it i mean you didn't wear a lot of different jerseys what did you like the best i i think just the mixture of the old and the new I think that the color combinations, um, you know, of, of the jerseys, um, I think it's just different. Something that we haven't seen, you know, the NHL kind of go a little bit outside of the box with pretty traditional league, you know, on a lot of things. So to kind of, you know, expand into this, I, I think it was, it was good on their part. I think they're really neat. Okay, so if oh, let's 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 stop da- tap dancing around. What'd you make of the Canucks one? Because you wore the original version <laughs> with the the two tone reverse uh, retrograde from with the maroon and blue twenty years ago, and now they've turned this one into a sprite can, or at least it resembles it. Um, did you like wearing that jersey back when? Well, when I first came there, right, we had the traditional one, and when we, I think it was my last couple of years there, they came out with you know, the hockey stick and, and the color, you know, change. I, I really enjoyed those jerseys. I, I think they, they look great the way they are. Um, I never got the, you know, chance to wear the V. I know, I think the team has worn that one, you know, before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the green, green and blue kind of what they've been wearing. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as saying it looked like a, like a Sprite can, but that was... <laughs> Pretty pretty neat, Seaball. That's just James pissing people yeah. off. Yeah, but hey, listen, I I think they're you're limited to kind of you know what you can do on these things sometimes, and I'm sure they did the best they could. I you know what we had some texts. Ed Jovanovski joins us as he does every Wednesday morning. Oh, we, we have a question between you, Bert, and Berkey. We got to get to too. Um, but you you know, Cole is Cole a teenager yet? 
young teenager? Yeah, he's 14. Yeah. Okay, so is his, you know, a lot of people yesterday when we talked about it, Eddie said, you know, we were like you, man. I love the shout out to the Nordiques from the abs. And, and the older crowd was more traditionalist. Does Cole look at something and just goes, man, I love the purple with the Kings. Does he view the jerseys differently than you did? I'm sure. I'm sure he does. You know, I think, you know, the more that's going on in these jerseys, I think these kids nowadays, you know, they really enjoy them. Um, you know, but he's curious. You know, he's the jerseys that I have kind of hung up in my office. So he'll ask, you know, questions about him and, and, you know. What's in your office, my friend? Well, I have the World Junior and the uh, and the O2 Olympics. I got my uh, original Panther jersey, the Coyotes Canucks. I got my Spitfire one. Um, I have a thousand game um, jersey, you know, that I wore when I was playing in Phoenix, and uh, and a handful of my All Star uh, jerseys. So it's a little bit of a talking piece when company come over. They're curious on why I don't have the Olympic gold medal hanging up in, in the frame, just my world junior one, but why? Um, I don't know. I keep, I keep that one in the safe. <laughs> I keep that. I keep that one in the safe. I figured it was probably best that I don't kind of tuck it into the Jersey. Frame, so you're but... assuming that Floridians aren't going to steal a world junior gold medal. <laughs> What's this? I That's don't... right. Gosh. Bang on sea ball. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Google Florida man, James. You just did a segment on it. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, but, do you uh, get the sense? I know players around there. Our poll question this morning was: uh, Do you think they play January one, January fifteenth, or it doesn't happen? Uh, Eddie, you must get the sense from players around there that they are set to go. It's just a matter of one. I think it's January one or fifteenth, either or. Do you get that feeling? I do. And, and I spoke to someone in the front office uh, of the Panthers the other day and your dates are bang on. I think it's somewhere in between there. You know, G, uh, the J, the dates January 1st and the 15th came up. It's going to be somewhere in, in between there, I believe. And yeah, you know, the players are uh, are skating daily. I know the guys here that are here that they're, they're skating and, and preparing for for this to start here early January. And how would you as a player digest the fact that, you know, you're looking at 20% escrow, you know, another 10% What, make it 60% of my contract? Well, yeah. I I mean, I get, do you just recognize? (laughs) Eddie, don't bitch. No, no, but legit. I I think that's legit. 60% is better than zero. Yeah. And I, and I think, do you think most guys recognize that right now? I do. And, and listen, we were all been, you know, I've been through two lockouts and, and lost. I remember I signed that three-year deal in Vancouver. I played out the first year, uh, you know, the second year I rolled back. Uh, yeah, I rolled back uh, 24% and lost, the, you know, missed the year, then rolled back. So lost, you know, five million, five and a half or six million, whatever is making at the time. Um, lost that year and then rolled back when we came back, you know, so a $16 million deal, you know, turned out to be, you know, 8 million, you know, so we've all been through it. I think, you know, these guys want to play first and foremost, they want to play. And I, I think this, whatever deal they come up with, but when you look at it like that, you know, with, you know, with the escrow and the deferred money and possibly more, 
you know, 60% is, is, is better than nothing. It's far from what I heard three months ago that they're going to have a shortened season and they're going to get all their money according to one player. I'm like, you're out of your mind. Eddie, do you think it's easier? And by the way, you can make up that eight million, put some units on the Arizona Cardinals tomorrow against Seattle. <laughs> um, do you think it, it? Listen, it's not easy. Those numbers are tough for everybody to digest. The money left on the table with lockouts, but is it easier for this players' association to digest because they know the facts? It's not there's there's no oh we don't trust you. They know, and nobody or you know, a small percentage will walk into buildings to watch. They know that the world is going through something and this is just the hit they're going to have to take. For sure. And, you know, this is, it's real. I mean, there's, you know, suffering that's going on worldwide. You know, it's not just our sport. And, you know, I think when, you know, what's that going to look like when the arena is open? Is it going to be, you know, like the Dolphins and some, you know, teams are doing where you have a certain percentage of capacity that's allowed in the rink until uh, until they unveil, you know, a vaccine. Uh, how hesitant or how, you know, excited are people going to be, you know, to take a vaccine right away, you know, to start putting people in the stand. So, yeah, the ownership is struggling, I mean, with, with revenues. And I think there has to be some sort of compromise there. And I don't think you're going to get that much of a backlash for, you know, from the players. I mean, yeah. these players don't want to, you know, make zero, you know, yep. something's better, nothing. And, and first and foremost, I think you're, you know, you have an opportunity to get out of the gate strong and, and have a good year and continue playing what you love to do. Uh, we're up against the clock and our uh, friend from down the hall, Sonia Aslam uh, from News 1130 is going to jump in here momentarily, but I do want to share something with you quickly. Uh, allow you to pump your tires here for a second. Our friends in uh, Calgary at Sportsnet 960, the fan, we're just talking to Chris Versteeg and Rhett Warner this morning. And I guess a conversation just came up about how Versteeg was referring to hands down Jovanovski has the nicest home of any NHLer he's ever been in. Oh, what's going on there with that, Eddie? Well, I I think he's referring to the to the house I sold three years ago. Okay. Oh. Um, you know, sometimes you got to part ways with with the things, and uh, but yeah, it was a it was a special home, and I and I have all the guys there, and uh, we had some good parties there, but. Uh, Rhett is actually down here in uh, in Florida, so I got to see him. We were, you know, quasi roommates my first couple of years here in, in Florida. So I got to meet his wife and his three kids. We had him over for barbecue. Then another night we took him out on the boat. So we had a good time, kind of catching up. So um, it was good to see him. Nice. Well, listen, you take care. Our uh, our 30-year-old uh, man on the other side of the glass who's pushing all the buttons, making sure everything's right. Tom the Chill Alex says, uh, I wish I had Eddie's new hips. So there you go. you got a guy who's 15 <laughs> years younger than you who's jealous of your uh, artificial hips. So take care over all there. All right, guys. Play the Cardinals. Play the Chiefs, Eddie. I'll text no, you. No, the Seahawks okay. are not blowing this one tomorrow. Come on. Don't steer them wrong. Yeah. See you, Eddie. All right, guys. Take care. Take Talk care. To you there week. he is. Ed Jovanovsky joining us here this morning on Sportsnet 650. And now let's uh, welcome from News 1130, Sonia Aslam. Aslam, good morning. Morning, boys. Good morning to you. I, I, I look at, you know, a week ago, Dr. Bonnie kind of gave us the, all right, look, we got you know, short two weeks here to tighten up and doesn't look like it's going in the right direction here right now. Did anyone believe her, though, when she said just two weeks? 
I always believe Dr. I'm not Bond. questioning the science. I'm not questioning her, but come on. We knew uh, this province cannot pull it together in two weeks. So, uh, yeah, was, th- those all those restrictions are going to be uh, extended for sure, probably. It was like trusting Jim Benning re-signing Jacob Markstrom, right? Oh, like, do you wow. really believe it's going to get done? Don't break my heart again, James. I'm not over that. I can't believe we lost Marky. It's fine. It's fine. I'm over it. Yeah. You got no. a Saskatchewan guy coming to Holpe. Uh Premier Horgan talking this morning. Is that what's different today? Yeah, he (laughs) that is what's different. It's called news. Uh, Yeah. So he's speaking at 930. We don't know exactly what he's going to announce, but obviously it's not going to be good. And the idea is that he'll actually clamp down on further restrictions. And everyone we've talked to is okay with that. Like we've heard from a lot of people on the streets who are like, you know what, just do it. Do it. Try to keep the economy going in terms of still having businesses open, but providing a different way of getting people what they need. But yes, clamp down. This is not working. Yesterday was the worst day we've ever seen during this whole pandemic, all nine months of it. Um, I feel like it's nine months. Yeah, I hopefully I haven't lost track of time. <laughs> Feels like ninety months. I I know, right? Like, yeah. yeah but I'm eighty seven. What's that? <laughs> I'm eighty seven now. Oh, it's okay. been that long. Well, you were like that before. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been brutal. And so because of yesterday's numbers, uh, in case everyone didn't hear, more than seven hundred cases and eleven deaths in just one day. So uh, right away, John Horgan said, you know, I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday morning, and uh, you know, be prepared. And we, I, I don't know, like it could be further restrictions, and and I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay if we really clamp down. I do want to keep, you know, parts of the economy going, businesses, restaurants, uh, you know, the mall, and so forth. We still have that option of being able to go to a store under, you know, safety measures. But oh, it's bad. It's really bad. But no more somber Sonia. I'm trying to get away from that character. I don't like that You're character. You're bringing it. Yeah. Hey, has everybody got power, Aslam? I lost uh, some power yesterday. Is the storm done? Oh, yeah. Storm's done. Storm was only for a few hours. It did do you know damage in terms of the number of people who didn't have power. We went from like, oh, no, a thousand people don't have power to like, oh, my gosh, 55,000 people don't have power. It took like minutes and everyone was out. I was fine. And I don't think you and I live that far apart. So I'm also in the Tri-Cities. But um, James, did you have power? We had power. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, it was it was intense. Like the kids had to leave the school uh, oh. out a different exit yesterday because oh, there was a wow, giant really? branch dangling uh, on one of the sides that would just looked a little too ominous for that her, got real for wow. kids. Yeah, it got a little real, but yeah, it was it was it was intense there yesterday. See, for Come me- on, how many how many of those kids left the wrong left from a different exit and then went around the building to see why they couldn't go out the exit they weren't allowed to? <laughs> I would have done that. That's, that's totally what I. I think done. the teachers were all uh, kind of steering them in the right direction, thankfully. So, I mean, if they were high schoolers, they would have totally gone the opposite way, but they're still in elementary. Because you're so cool I think they're still when you're in high school. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. They go to the smoking section there, Sonia. That's where <laughs> the dangerous part is. It's funny that wh- whenever I see lots of rain and wind like that, I'm so tempted to, like, run out in the street. I wouldn't. But run out in the street and do, like, a Bollywood dance number because that's so common. <laughs> And I dance in real life, so it's like, this is perfect. This is just what I need. That's stereotyping. (laughs) Hey, no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. Michael J. Fox has retired too, by the way. Is the newsroom working on that? I saw that, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, uh, it's in, it's no, in our No, you're not. I'm shirt. just, I'm just giving you the news. I just read Michael J. Fox has said he's retiring for the second time. Is anyone surprised? Gosh, he he's been actor. talking for the last week about how difficult his health has been. Yes. So I yeah. think that's yeah. exactly why he's, he's going He's a great homegrown Thanks for bringing actor. it down there, Perry. Thanks for ending it on not a high. Yeah, it down. Yeah, we went for dancing in the J. rain Fox and a Bollywood dance. An incredible yeah. ambassador to our city. Yeah.
He is. He's a great guy. And oh my gosh, Family Ties. Ugh. Yeah. Do you Amazing. remember the song? My best hey, Ooh, guys, my best Michael right J. Fox story. So it's a it's a dreary Sunday morning. I take my daughter to Playland. She's five or six years old, right? I'll just take her out of the house. Not like she wants to be with me, just like it is now. <laughs> we go to Playland. A lady walks up to me and says, Are you that sports guy? And I was like, Yeah, whatever. She goes, Oh my. First Michael J. Fox and then you. What a 10 minutes this has been. I'm just going, What? So then we scoured Playland to find Michael J. Fox. Couldn't find him. There's my Michael J. Fox story. You, oh. Did you include an initial uh, for your uh, middle name uh, after that? Yes, I'm Perry W. Sulkow. I just that said thank you. Who would have ever promise? used my name with his in the same sentence? That's I'm with you, Sonia. Yeah, that's right. I'm had with such you on promise. Like, hey, yeah. guys, I have a great story about Michael J. Fox. And, you know, you didn't meet him and you never found him. And that was like the highlight of the 10 minutes. But I had my name in the same sentence as him. Hey, Aslam, your Ooh. time's up. Oh. You're going to leave it on that? You're going to leave it on that note. I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to leave on booing you, and then that's the segment. <laughs> oh, uh, thanks, Anya. You take care, thanks. and uh, thanks for bringing some positivity, and, and Bollywood dances in the rain. You know, they do dance in the sun sometimes, too. So. We, we do, I say we, because, yeah. you know, I'm an actress. No, mm-hmm. yeah, it's both. It's both. Yes, but, um, hey, if people want to send me their gifs, tweet me your gifs of your favorite Bollywood dances, or send me a video link to your favorite songs. I am all up yeah. on that. Is it a GIF or GIF? Uh, now it's you've a GIF. Up another, no, it's a GIF. Uh, it's a GIF. Uh, Anyone can fight me on this. It's a GIF. Mm. It is not a GIF. I think it's a GIF. Uh, no, it's a GIF. It was on Jeopardy. Agree to GIF agree. Oh, uh, boo. Uh, I see what boo I did again. there? All right. We got to go. Uh, we'll try <laughs> bye, to bye. save this thing in a moment. Uh, Sonia Aslan from News 1130. He's Solkowski. I'm Sabalski. More in a moment here. Uh, some big news involving the East Coast Hockey League just coming down. We'll get to that next right here on Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. All right, 7.33, a reminder this hour of the starting lineup is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuter Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at Dunbar Lumber. It is uh, pouring out there this morning and uh, not exactly uh, wonderful news this morning in the ECHL, Perry, the league formerly known as the East Coast Hockey League that, according to our uh, our own Greg Ballack, don't say East Coast League because you'll get something wrapped. Uh, Ballack, is that true? Like they're, they're like militant about that on social media? Not just social media, but if you have a blog or any sort of publication where you refer to them as the East Coast Hockey League, you will get an email saying they are no longer the East Coast Hockey League. So there you go, Perry. When did, so they, when did they change that? Oh, years ago. I, I want to say at least 10 years ago at the minimum. And what what's their logic? Like East Coast Hockey League been around forever. Just they don't like that? Well, I guess they have teams on, on the West Coast, Coast now. They have Western di- a Division in the league. But the thing to me is if you're going to call yourself the ECHL, you need to make the EC stand for something. You can't just wash it away exactly (laughs) very valid point you're the east coast hockey league if you add teams to the west and go we're not the east coast hockey league change the name of the league right there used to be the ihl international hockey league you'd have the ahl figure it out change the name i'm not surprised though james um that's my concern like even with utica and stuff in the ahl is you can understand the nhl moving forward and they'll be back on the ice at some point in January because the dollars involved, the revenue involved. But what happens to those players who are 24, 25 years old are still professional hockey players. There's no place to play. Uh, there's going to be a lot of guys who 
maybe still had the dream. And I don't know. I'm sure there's a few guys in the, in the ECHL that have that dream. But there will be no place for them to play. And I wonder how many careers just kind of come to an end and go, okay, reality has hit me. I'm not playing anymore. Well, and, and it's not like those guys are getting rich to begin with, but nope. you know, the, the fact for love. that you're, you're looking at the entire North Division, word coming down this morning, the entire North Division will cease operations for the season. So Adirondack, Brampton, Maine, Newfoundland, uh, Reading, and Worcester. So, like, you're talking about six franchises, you know, and if each guy's making somewhere around thirty grand or so, which I think that I think that's the ballpark, um, yeah, like I think a lot of guys are going to be forced to scramble and say, like, I got to pay the bills somehow, some way, right? And, you know, what does that look like here for the next little while? Newfoundland had some positive buzz, like, you know, some of these franchises, they they're they had created uh, a community, right? They had created a fan base, and uh, it's unfortunate, but that this is this is what the impact of COVID is. And like, if you can't put fans in the stands, like what's the point of playing and, and going about your business, right? Unless you're ready to just take a massive loss. Like what's the point? I get it. Well, and there you go with the Western hockey league, right? As we wait and see when the giants get going, when the Western hockey league gets going, I think they have realized, and you know, we had Bruce Hamilton on uh, last month or might've been this month, just saying, you know, one of the Quantum Rockets, like this is maybe just for the good of the game to let people play because I don't think anybody is making any money this year when it comes to playing hockey, especially when you're dealing with a junior product or a, a certainly a, uh, a minor pro product. And unless you see them making this call. Uh, meantime, our, our Sportsnet 650 uh, Twitter poll question this morning, Pair, we were asking, uh, you know, when do you think the NHL will drop the puck on this upcoming season. Uh, we've given you the options here this morning, and uh, you know a lot of people jump in on this. Uh, do you think it's January 1st? Do you think it's January 15th? Do you think it's February 1st or later? Or do you think it's not happening at all? I think overwhelmingly, everybody thinks that there's going to be a season. I'm with you as well on that. Uh, 32% say February 1st or later, and a close second. Uh, is January 1st, and then 27% at January 15th. I I still think that January 1st is going to be the date pair. I I really do think that they can pull this off. Like, look, there's a sense of urgency now. We're we're talking about November 18th, but, you know, the offseason's been taken care of. You know what I mean? Like, the draft has been handled. You know, free agency's been dealt with. You know, I'm, I'm sure Mike Hoffman would like to be, uh, you know, have his situation clarified, but I think that'll come as as we get closer to puck drop. But I, I do think that there is time. You've got to clear the financials that Elliot Friedman uh, touched on here last night, and we'll, we'll share a clip from Elliot here momentarily. But I, I just think that there is a way to get this going, and I think the NHL wants as much wiggle room as possible, knowing that, hey, look, it happened to Major League Baseball. It happened to the NFL. You're going to have to deal with COVID tests, but it's time to get playing because, man, like, when was the last time we had a day that we could just talk and debate and have fun about hockey like we did on Monday talking about the jerseys? Whether we liked them, whether we didn't like them, whether they look like a can of Sprite or not, that's the thing that I think we need more of when it comes to talking about the sport of hockey. I don't disagree. Yes, we love to talk, but I think they go January 15th, and here's why. Uh, you know, players we hear, we heard from LA, we'll hear it again, uh, how much they have to defer as part of their salary. It's not It's not going to be fun for them. It's the reality. They will do that. 
Gary Bettman pushing and pushing. And when Gary Bettman wants January 1st, sometimes Gary Bettman gets what he wants. But when you're in negotiations, you know, the NHL players, they've worked very hard for the union and to have a little power and the ability to push back. They're not going to be able to push back on salary and what they're deferred and the escrow and they understand why. Maybe the only thing where they can leave with the win is the players going, you know what? We're ready to play. I don't want to push it to January 1st. If nothing else, give me that Christmas day with my family so we can be with them. When it's done on Boxing Day, start training camp and let's go forward. But we've given up a lot. It hasn't been a lot in 2020. So here's the little nugget that we want, Mr. Bettman. Let's start this thing in the middle of January. It's not going to make much of a difference. We'll still get it in in your timeline. And we'll feel like that is a minor win for the 700-plus players that actually produced the product that you were selling. I think that's why the middle of January is when we're going to see the puck drop. Can you not still celebrate Christmas with your family and and take two days off in the middle of a training camp and and still go about it? Like, do you have to try? Like, here's the thing: Do you want to go and travel more than you have to? Like, can your family not be with you? If oh, they if will be. They Vancouver will be Canuck, with them. Yes. Okay, but let's let's say let's say for example, I'm I'm, I'm going to pull a name out here, but let's say J T Miller, right? J T Miller's got a family. He's got kids. Like, in theory, can JT Miller not have his family here in Vancouver and in the middle of training camp, we're going to stop for two days and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to celebrate Christmas and hang out with the fam here in the city that I work in. And I'm going to have that time off and I can still celebrate Christmas with my family. Like, do you need to be, I don't know, like you've had well, you know, four months I think off, you've had three agreement months off. gives them a mandatory three days off. So do you want to start training camp and then take three days off right away? Now, they'll have to change that. Obviously, everything's up for negotiation. But I do think that'll be their stumbling block. Do you think exhibition games are being played? Uh, did they not say that there might be one or two? Okay, I just, I mean, I think they're going to try to limit as much travel as they can, which is why they're going to play these back-to-backs. This is why they're going to keep it within the division. And so I think you'll keep it as limited as possible. But... Guys will be ready to go. I honestly think that guys by a week in, they'll be ready to go. If you can drop the puck, like if you're on the ice by December 15th pair, you know, which is still just just under a month from now, if you can be on the ice December 15th, you know, you'll be you'll have eight days on the ice. You pause for three days and you get back on the ice on the 26th. You got another five days on the ice ready to go. Like guys will be amped up by Jan 1. They'll be ready. Well, and, and the interesting thing for me will be, okay, so – Advantage who? Advantage young team, uh, advantage old team, and more importantly, so what's your playoffs looking like? If we're going Canadian division, and we certainly know and, and seem to feel we are, at least for the first part of the season, how will your playoffs look? That's what I'm really curious about. All right, 742 here on Sportsnet 650. Coming up uh, at 8 o'clock, it's your Canucks commute. And uh, also be joined by uh, Tyler Smith, uh, a survivor of the uh, Humble Broncos uh, tragic bus crash from uh, two years ago. We'll check in with Tyler coming up uh, just after 8 o'clock. A reminder, this hour is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street and Ladner, or Buter Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. What's next there, Pear? No BS, just PS, and we will tell you and let you see what Justin Don- Dustin Johnson did. The most impressive thing he's ever done with a golf club, 
and it had nothing to do with his performance in Augusta. That's ahead. Sports at 650. 743. We've made it to Wednesday, everybody. Bring an umbrella. James and Perry, Sports at 650. It's all P.S. No B.S. Right here on the starting lineup. Time to load you up with a little P.S., little tidbits you need to know about the world of sports. We begin with a man, the fact that the CFL needs local owners because that's who you can get behind in your community. Someone like Bob Young, whose enthusiasm was great yesterday when he talked to Ticat fans about the league. The big question everyone keeps asking me, and I have to admit, up until recently, uh, I, I ducked the question, uh, was, are we going to play in 2021? And what's the answer to that one? Of course we're going to play in 2021. There's lots of unknowns that we don't want to think about, but we are determined to play in 2021. Uh, see, boy, you did a lot of CFL stuff. I don't know if you've met Bob Young. I like the guy. He doesn't want to be the owner. He's the caretaker. Guy loves the league. I wish people would love the league back as much as he hopes. He, you look at the money that that guy has invested in the Canadian Football League and in his hometown city in Hamilton. It's been unbelievable. Um, you know, and, and just a guy. And you look at the first few years when he bought the team. Man, like, he tried signing every big-name talent. Like, they tried for Jason Moss. They tried for Josh Ronick. These big names, high-priced running backs, quarterbacks, and everything turned to mush. They were kind of like the Mets in the early 2000s. You know how they'd spend all the money in, like, every free agent signing? Or the the Rangers in the early 2000s, and everything just turned into a dud? Like, the Bobby Hole leaks and all that? This was kind of the Hamilton Ticats. They've finally become... Um, a, a strong team, but man, Bob Young deserves a Grey Cup. He deserves a Grey Cup pair. Hopefully, he gets one sooner rather than later. Love to do it while they're playing it at home. Hey, P.S. McGill yeah. University has chosen its new nickname after a year of waiting. Did Nellie Furtado have the career we thought she would? That's another debate. But they have gone with the McGill Redbirds. That name was used by the ski team in the 20s and the 30s. The baseball team has used that. It's been sitting there for them. I don't know why they took a year to get there. But for now, they will always be called the McGill Redbirds. You know, it's funny, though. Look at, look at. Has there been much in the way of mockery for the Washington football team this year since they decided, hey, you know what, we're scrapping our name. Like, you know, they haven't been a very good team. They've just, you know, hey, we're not going to jump to a new name right away. I don't think anybody's really kind of knocked them for it, right? Like, they kind of did what was right, and now they're just taking their time. You know what, get it right. Get it right. I, I think it's. I think it's fine that you know if you, if you looked at it, it was if you had a feeling that it was culturally inappropriate, in the case of point in Washington and McGill, who obviously wanted to go down that road as well, then you say, okay, let's get it right as opposed to rushing a decision. Did you expect more from Nelly Furtado? Oh uh, no, man! Like Nelly had. I think sometimes she gets big forgotten. Hits, but she's great, man. Like remember, she had that whole run with Timberland as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm She's a just fan. on a I great like trajectory. I'm a fan. 
Uh, hey, P.S. American cyclist Greg LeMond may be getting the USA's highest civilian award. It's Congressional Gold Medal. So LeMond, the only American to win the Tour de France. Lance Armstrong cheated, so he's not in the record books. In 87, while he was recovering from a broken wrist and a collarbone injury, LeMond was shot during a turkey hunting accident. <laughs> yeah, so it left him in intensive care, required the removal of more than 40 shotgun pellets from his abdominal area, had the surgeries, and then he mounted the comeback, and he came back to win the Tour de France in 89. By eight seconds, that was the closest finish in the history of the Tour de France. Won it a third time in 1990. Hey, give it to him. Cycling, cycling, Lance Armstrong, Lance Armstrong. Hey, I, listen, I'm not going to get into the presidency, but if Greg LeMond can get the highest civilian award in the U.S., I think he deserves it. Do you think Lance Armstrong will vote for Greg LeMond? I don't know. You know, Lance Armstrong is so. Lance Armstrong would have been cringing to hear that news yesterday. Really? Ah, really? son of a gun. That guy. P.S. Finally, Dustin Johnson is an incredible golfer. We saw it on the weekend. But listen to this excerpt from a commercial as he swings and waits to see the statistics on the drive he unleashed. That was all right. 118 club at speed. Wasn't bad. Hit that pretty solid. It's fairly decent. Let's get the other numbers to show up here in a second. Come on. Go, Jordan. There we go. Yo. 293 Whoa. carry. 294 carry, 311 <laughs> total. So he carried it in the air, 294, 311 yards. And people, you're driving, you're listening, going, well, yeah, no, they, he hits it even bigger than that. Everybody, he did it left-handed. He's a right-handed golfer. He grabs the wrong club and says, let's see how far I can hit this left-handed. I am left-handed. I try to golf right-handed. He crushes it 300 yards, swinging the wrong way. Dustin Johnson is a golfing god. Oh my god! I think I'd be, I, I think I'd be happy if I hit 225 off the tee. It just to hit the ball when you grab the club that is not the way you normally golf. Yeah. If you make contact and hit it 100 yards, you're thrilled. His swing was impeccable. And he crushes it and carries it 290 yards, 311 with the roll. Best golfer in the world, hands down. And a with great pick with him and Wayne Gretzky. And Gretzky in the Augusta caddy thing that was making the round Sunday night. I think they might have had some of Wayne's wine to celebrate. I was going to say, do you think Wayne Gretzky was drunk when that picture was taken? Like, if for him to put on a caddy jumpsuit, you know, for that picture? <laughs> Pass me more of my wine there, yeah. DJ. You're the greatest, and so am I. Have you tried my whiskey yet? 99 whiskey. My 99 wine. Let's mix it together, and let's take a picture. Yes. I don't know if we're playing hockey again, but I don't care. I'll just follow you on the tour. <laughs> yeah. Seems to be working so not, far. Not BS, everybody. Just PS. Do it every morning, 745. Uh, five minutes to 8 o'clock here on this uh, Wednesday morning. He's Perry. I'm James. Your Canucks commute coming up just around the corner. Elliot Friedman with the latest plan for the National Hockey League and their return to play and what it might look like and the latest hurdles that the players are having to deal with. That's all coming up. Plus, Tyler Smith, Humboldt Broncos survivor. That's all still ahead here on your home of the Vancouver Hockey Sportsnet 650. Spicing up your morning drive with the Canuck Commute. I think the players are going to want some assurances on 
you know, when this is going to be paid out as schedule and things like that. They've already agreed to one deferment. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is the answer to what we're looking at. This is the starting lineup with James Sabalski and Perry Solkowski. All right, it's 8 o'clock here on this uh, very wet Wednesday morning. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, hour number three here on this hump day edition of the starting lineup. Uh, Tyler Smith, humble Broncos uh, survivor with uh, an important message, I think, for a lot of us here as we are, what, on the uh, 17th uh, or the 18th of November. So we're kind of in the home stretch here now almost uh, for all of us that are growing those grotesque and ugly dusters, Perry, for a very good cause. Yeah, mental health and young Tyler Swift, part of that Swift Current Broncos team. He'll join us about 10 minutes um, spent a couple weeks in hospital after the accident, actually went back and played for the Broncos. I think played 11 games for them and, and, uh, then came back home to Leduc, Alberta, just outside of Edmonton and, uh, has become a, a young man and a big voice for, for mental health. Um, and obviously what he has helped to deal with and will deal with and started actually a little clothing line. Uh, that has been a success for him. Um, uh, you know, saying, you know, you're not alone. You can talk to people. Uh, so look forward to that. You know what I've been looking forward to? Tyler, at least last year, and I'm assuming he continued, is actually taking radio and television arts in Nate, uh, the same place where Gene Principe and myself were college friends. And um, I'll probably know some of his instructors, so I'll give him some advice. I don't know what advice I give him in this business, but I look forward to find out what's don't going on. Don't get into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to tell Stay him away. that, but yeah. Yeah. Stay away. <laughs> Changed now. Yeah, exactly. Man, I remember, uh, it's funny, breaking into the business, um, breaking into the business. We'll get to Elliot Freeman here in just a second. I remember breaking into the business when I started uh, in college, and I think in 93, and it was, you know, we, this country was in a recession, and there were all these layoffs and cuts in the media at the time, and, you know, there was this radio symposium they had had for all the new students and like all these broadcast veterans locally. And, you know, at the one end of the table here was the, you know, the, the radio analyst of the Ottawa Senators. You know, and this guy, Gord Wilson, was just raving about, man, I get paid to travel all across North America to, you know, watch hockey games. And I'm like, yeah. That's what I want to do. I love it. I want to hear more of that guy. And at the other end, there was like this parliamentary reporter going, what are you guys thinking? There's no jobs. If you want to make $5 an hour work late nights, then okay, sign up for this. But there's no jobs. And it was like, I don't want to hear that guy. I want to hear about the guy who travels and talks hockey, right? Uh, yeah, uh, balance, I guess, at some point, right? Yeah, you uh, you follow your dreams. Uh, a couple people on my side here, James. With Christmas and players having to quarantine for two weeks, do you really see a January first start date? Shout out to the Island Lover this morning. I, I don't. I think the NHL will go on January fifteenth, and I do think they'll be able to play that card of, hey, you know what? We'll go full bore on January fifteenth and ready to go. But it does seem, and we heard from Elliot coming into this segment that um, I'm not going to say it's a it's um, fait accompli, but I think hockey will be played in January. We'll get back. I am really curious to see, though, the great thing about hockey and what we always look at at the end of the year, how many Canadian teams made it, how many Canadian teams are in the playoffs. It was great last year, but now if you're going to have a Canadian division, if that division is going all on, like I have not heard and no insider has had, here's how it will break down. They're going to have a Canadian division all year. 
just until the borders open and what percentage of teams make it to the postseason. Because, boy, great to have a Canadian division, but not if only three of those teams are making it to the playoffs. Well, I I, th- I would think that maybe you'll be looking at maybe four teams or you know three with a wild card. I think that's probably the scenario because if you're looking at, what, 31 teams in the league, a seven-team Canadian division, um, you might have a heavier number with the other divisions in order to, you know, to balance it out. So, um, but look at, I'll tell you what, like, look at the strength of the schedule, right? I mean, like, those are all really, like, most of the Canadian teams, like, That's the, the Canucks, like, the Canucks are a good team. The Oilers have made improvements. The Flames have made improvements. I think the Leafs have gotten better. I think the Habs have gotten substantially better. And we talked to Louis Jean about that. Like, I, honestly, I think there's people in Montreal that all of a sudden think that this year, and I honestly subscribe to that theory. Like, I think the Habs would have a shot. It's not inconceivable to me that the Habs could win the Stanley Cup. And I think I could make that case for most teams here. And I think if you're a logical hockey fan, you can look at, what, six of the seven teams. I think you can make a case for some stronger than others. That you can make a case that they could win a Stanley Cup. And that's where, you know, some teams are going to get pooched here this year with this Canadian division with the strength of the schedule. But, you know, I mean, look, at there's, there's going to be some other divisions that'll be tough as well. Oh, but come on, look at this. So you're the caller on Avalanche, and let's just assume the majority of their games are against teams from California. So you got San Jose struggling, Kings struggling, Ducks struggling, Arizona pick and, cho- pick and choose. If Colorado is in a group like that, which may very well be, can you actually say that the Colorado Avalanche are working as hard as the Vancouver Canucks to pick up points during the regular season? Not a chance. But I just dis- I I disagree. Okay, so I understand what no, you're saying we, with you the California teams. Come on, James. No, no, no. I, I I understand what you're saying with the California teams. But that being said, being stuck in the same division as Dallas, St. Louis, Colorado, like you're talking about teams that I think right now the team I would look at as having the best shot to win the Stanley Cup this coming year, and I think a lot of people who agree with me on this would be the Colorado Avalanche. And the Dallas Stars were just in the Stanley Cup final two months ago. And the St. Louis Blues hoisted the Stanley Cup a year ago, right? Like, you're talking about some heavyweight teams, um, depending on how it all balances it out. Yes, uh, San Jose is going to be soft, and L.A. is going to be soft, and the Ducks are going to be soft. I get that. But I think you're also looking at some very strong teams. Like, depending on how they ultimately structure some of these U.S. divisions, um, yeah, it's man, it's not it's not going to be a cakewalk. Look at the Islanders and the Flyers, possibly all in the same division. Like, there's gonna like the Lightning. You know, where where do they fall in? The Hurricanes, the Capitals are still, I think, a team that's got a shot to win or compete for a Stanley Cup. The Pittsburgh Penguins, as long as you have Crosby and Malkin, and look what the Penguins have done this offseason. Like, I think there are some teams that there's going to be some tough outs, man. There's going to be some good teams that are going to miss. Well, and that's that's the curiosity as to how they break it out. And while we sit and talk about possible dates, talk about deferred, deferred salary, we talk about escrow, and yeah, we hear about the Canadian division. Well, how is it working for everybody else? Because for so long, the NHL always talked about balance. And there would be times where you go, man, they should just go 1-16 to because the best teams are out west. They've had that same argument years ago when it was out east. You're never going to get it perfect. But I'm just curious how things have been kept so quiet as to, okay, so lay it out for us. How will it work? Is it a third of the year goes Canadian division, and then we look if borders are open and we have a plan B schedule that's flexible, and it comes into play, you know, in the middle of March? 
a lot of those details have been talked about, none of them released, but I'm curious from a fan perspective, hey, we have been along with several of our colleagues go, are you kidding me? Calgary's coming here one night and we see the Calgary Canucks with Markstrom and Tanev, and then McDavid's rolling in, then the Leafs are rolling in, then Gallagher and Montreal are rolling in. There are going to be every night for the first part of this season when it's a Canadian division, the Canucks are playing very intriguing, great, compelling hockey games for storylines. But what's going on elsewhere? How are they getting to a playoff pitcher? And what's going on? Are you seeing Colorado beat up on some? Really? They're playing the Kings back-to-back? Kings aren't good? Uh, there'll be a lot of those conversations have taking place at the Board of Governors and GM's going, okay, what's this going to look like? Uh, text into the Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. I bet Jim Benning is looking forward to playing Jacob Markstrom 30 times this year. It's awesome, man. <laughs> Not playing 30 times, but come on. Markstrom uh, posting a, a workout video yesterday, having some fun pretending to do the last bit in slow motion. But, hey, that's great. A Calgary-Vancouver game was always interesting. It has now just been ratcheted up to the highest level if Jacob Markstrom is either getting ventilated by the Canucks or Jacob Markstrom is a brick wall. Oh, my gosh. And you're going, wow. This is going to go, this is gonna go one of two ways, right? Like, this is either going to be Markstrom is going to own his former team and just be in their kitchen, or the Canucks are just going to gobble him up. Right. This, this is going to be this is going to be the great debate for, you know, this could be your I hate Jim Benning or I love Jim Benning. This is this this like what how this season plays out is going to sway this conversation one way or another. Right. Like you so let a guy go game, in the division. Here's or, the deal. First good. game, Calgary versus Vancouver. Who plays in goal for the Canucks? Do you fire Thatcher Demko at him or are you to go Braden Holpe? I bet you they would play Holpe. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think whoever's ready to go and who's ever ready to be the guy. I don't think. I don't think the Canucks are about trying to hide a goaltender in a situation like that. I. I, I can't imagine it. Like keep in mind, here's the other thing, pair. There's no fans in the stands, right? Like, no. You know, like if there's a, like, what a year for the New York Jets to suck, right? Like, you know, you don't have to deal with the accountability of the fans booing you off the field every game because there's nobody in there. And I. And I think that. Whoever is the best goaltender coming out of camp that Travis Green feels comfortable with, who deserves to play, will play. And I think Thatcher Demko is going to get every opportunity to be that guy this year. And I think Braden Holpe is going to get every opportunity to find his game and go back to being a Vesna. Like, man, like, wouldn't every Vancouver Canuck fan love the idea of Braden Holpe to get back to being that guy who backstopped the Caps to a Stanley Cup or being back to the guy who won a Vesna trophy? That'd be made. That that'd be outstanding, right? Like I don't think well, anybody I, would complain about that. I think is there. I think that's their hope, right? I, I think their hope is that he's so good. Uh, I was involved in a conference call last week for the Special Olympics and the Canucks autism. Jay Beagle just went off on how Braden Holpe was so good and and won him so many hockey games in that Capitals run to the Stanley Cup, and he just worked so hard. And you know, I'm Braden Holpe comes here to go. Okay. I'll be your number one. Let Thatcher continue to get experience until he can take it away from me. But, yeah, there's a lot of intriguing stuff. Even as we played the intro into this going, oh, I wonder what the uh, wonder what the song will be. I'm still standing. We'll be done in about a month's time. Although I'm still standing is probably appropriate if they play again in January because they're still kicking around. Uh, Jacob texting in at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line saying, Blues in Nashville are trending down. Dallas got lucky. Yeah. Arizona can't get things together. Cali teams all stink. Mini and Chicago aren't good either. 
Colorado had half the roster injured most of the year. They'll be fine. Much easy division than all Canadian conference that's coming. I, I don't disagree that I think the Canadian conference is going to be, or the Canadian division is going to be the hardest version of the divisions. I, I don't disagree with that. But here's the other thing. Like, you're going to mash up East Coast and West Coast teams, or East Eastern Conference and Western Conference uh, teams here in the All-Canadian Division. Would the NHL consider something like that in in the U.S., right? Like, I, I wonder, like, could you not conceivably have a division that would have, if you look regionality here, Pear, Philadelphia, Boston, the Islanders, Washington, Pittsburgh, right? Like, you know, there's, oh, there's five teams you could make a case for it. being. Yeah, but, like, there's five teams that you could conceivably make a case to say, you know what? Like, could you see the Bruins winning a Stanley Cup again this year? Yeah. The Islanders were pretty close these last couple of years. They've had some deep runs in the playoffs. You know, how about the Philadelphia Flyers? Like, the Flyers have looked good. They got a great young goaltender. They checked the boxes on the back end. They've got pretty good depth up front. You know, the Capitals still have Ovi and Backstrom if he's healthy and ready to go. I mean, there's still a lot to like with the Caps. And the Pittsburgh Penguins with Crosby and Malkin, yes, I get they're getting older, but, you know, could you could see them even in a shorter season as well? Those guys, the, the the older legs, maybe having a little more gas in the tank for to load up for one more run? I mean, it's like there's five teams right there. Imagine them all being in the same division. I do wonder if it's possible. I mean, we saw how get the Batman and the NHL handled the draft. They had all these crazy scenarios. It was complicated. Can they go into this season? Because it's an unknown when there's a vaccine. It's an unknown when borders are open. Can they go into it without actually telling the fans and or the players and say, we have still not nailed down what our playoff format will be and how it will work? Will people be upset? About how can you drop the puck and you don't know who's making the playoffs? I, if ever there's a chance, I think this would be the year. They go, you know, we have to see. We've got plenty of scenarios, but obviously this is a day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month process. We hope to get as balanced a schedule as we can. So until that time, we won't be announcing how a playoff format will work to win the Stanley Cup in 2021. Um, Elliot Friedman, Sportsnet Hockey Insider, was on the program with Andrew Walker and Sat Shaw yesterday here on Sportsnet 650. And here's the situation that kind of plays out right now. The New York Post had reported last night that where things sit is that the owners have apparently floated. It's not a official proposal, but they have floated the idea of wanting another 13% salary deferment from the players this year, rather than going down the road of saying, hey, prorated salaries, which might be a tougher one for the players to digest. Now, this all comes after a CBA was agreed to that the players had already kind of signed off grudgingly going, all right, we're going to take a 10% salary deferment and will lose 20% on escrow. So they're already getting almost 30% of their salaries lopped off. And now the the possibility of another 13% salary deferment could be on the conversation. You'd be looking at essentially 62% of their salaries for this upcoming year. Now, according to multiple sources, this is coming from Elliot, one current option for the season is a 60-game sked in your own arena MLB-style setup, back-to-back games in the same rink, 
divisional matchups only, Canadian division in play, and the postseason would start in the middle of May. Here's what Friedman had to say on where things sit and what the appetite might be for the players having to deal with now looking at only 40% of their salaries for this season. The players want to play. The commissioner wants to play. There's some teams that are really unsure about this, but every realizes, everybody realizes you have to play. And I think the players are going to want some assurances on, you know, when this is going to be paid out of schedule and things like that. They've already agreed to one deferment. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is the answer to what we're looking at. Someone also suggested to me, well, the ask is 13, maybe it ends up at 10. You know, we'll see. But I think the league is smart enough to know that this is the better path in terms of getting the players on side of you inside than asking for prorated money. And so I think they're going to work at this. And like I said, I, I've been told it, it's not a formal proposal yet, but it's, it's more along the lines of, um, okay, this is what we're, we're talking about here. I just don't see the appetite for contentiousness. And I understand it's probably a tough one to, to digest saying, oh, man, you want us to take another 10 to 13% cut? Uh, I understand that sort of, oh, really? But, Pear, there's just not that animosity anymore between the players and the owners. Any Like, we've seen the three lockouts. Like, the league's been growing until COVID hit. Like, this league has been trending upwards closer and closer to a $100 million salary cap. And during COVID, they hammer out a collective bargaining agreement which was unheard of. You know, you go back to the springtime and it's Major League Baseball players that were looking like, come on, man, can, I, can you not read the room? You're arguing about your salary when, you know, the situation is going around the globe and there's the NHL just quietly going, oh, by the way, we've got a new CBA. And you just go, wow, the relationship between players and league has got to be something that's admired by every major sports league around. So to think the players, listen, no one wants to hear that. We're going to have to defer more. But anytime you have a lockout, you have situations where you've got unions. The biggest issue is trust. We don't believe what you're saying. Well, it's pretty black and white as to what's going on with the business. It's pretty black and white as to what's going on with the world right now. People can't go in. You're not going to have people through the gates. You're not going to be able to travel as much as possible. So it might be uncomfortable, and I think that's why we had Louis Jean on 6 o'clock who was just off the phone with an NHL coach and said, hey, I'll bet my house they're playing hockey. They're playing in January. Uh, everybody seems to be pointing that way. Uh, you can't be at a negotiating table and just fall over and go, okay, whatever you say. That's why I think they'll push it to January 15th. But you're right, James. I mean, I don't think it's anything. There is no hill to die on here at all. It's just, okay, let's let's work and find out what's best for everyone. This one hurts, but really what option do the players have? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what the what the players have to ultimately look. I understand they want Christmas. It's been near and dear to their heart. I've seen people on the text line saying, James, come on. They, you know, they, they spent 60 days in isolation in a bubble. The least they could get is have Christmas. Sure, absolutely. I get it. 
But at the same time, like, can you not celebrate Christmas with your family? Like, do you have to fly to America and isolate for two weeks, like, in the middle of camp saying, I'm going to leave town? Like, who needs to travel more than they need? Like, at this point in time, like, what have we been told here in this region alone? Like, if you live in Fraser Health, stay in Fraser Health. Like, if you live in Vancouver Coastal, like, stay in Vancouver Coastal. Like, unnecessary travel. And that's just regional, right? So if you want to celebrate Christmas, you're going to start training camp. Like, you want to start training camp after Christmas at this point in time? Like, the Stanley Cup, Perry, was hoisted on September 28th. You had a four-month break from the middle of March, April, May, June, July, you finally got back on the ice after a four-month hiatus. You played for two months, and now these guys have been off. You know, September 28th was when the Stanley Cup was hoisted. It's November 18th. We're almost two full months since the season ended. Like, it's been a disjointed year. I get it. Man, we've been working from home. We've been wearing sweats to work for the last how long? These guys are ready to go. I think you can still have a training camp and still celebrate Christmas in between. I'm pretty confident it can be done. Somehow we have figured out a way in society over the last how many years for us to to still celebrate Christmas and have time off and at the same time still find a way to go back to work come Boxing Day or on the 27th. So you're part of the players' union. You talk to your player rep and goes, hey, we're going to have to de- defer the salary even more. Really? That sucks. Hey, we're going to have to uh, start. Uh, we're going to start at Christmas time. You, you know, you, you'll get a day off for Christmas, but that's it. Really? So what did we win? When we were negotiating, what did we win there, Mr. Player Rep? Uh, well, Batman wants to start January 1st. Screw Batman, man. I was in a bubble. We've got a union. We can get this this whole schedule done in its 60 games. Back-to-back games will be done in the middle of July like he wants. Tell him we'll play, and we'll play on crutches if we have to, but damn it, we're not <laughs> playing till January 15th. We've got to win something in this negotiation. I believe Christmas becomes a little bit of principle for these guys with the break that they have negotiated previously in the CBAs. That's why they don't do it. Can they? Sure they can, but at some point if you're negotiating, you go, well, hey, what did we win? Ah, nothing. Steamroll this, man. January 1st. Not going to have a Christmas, honey. Not going to have a New Year's. We're playing. Really? Couldn't you start the middle of January? Uh, yeah, we probably could. Well, then why aren't you? That's the debate I believe uh, will go on. Okay, honey. Would you prefer not to have any income this year? or You're going to get income. You're just waiting for uh, two just, weeks longer. But, but, like, honestly, Christmas is the hill to die on? Like, uh, honestly, come on. It's don't principle. play. That, like, uh, what no, are you, I, Scrooge? Like, hey, no, you don't got play. your Christmas lights up, don't you? <laughs> yes. Yes, but, like, honestly... Do you, do you think that a player is going to get out of shape if you were in training camp from December 15th and you pause on the 23rd that's somewhere? And I get it. Maybe Jake Vertanen might be that guy. Sorry, Jake. But, you know, to eat all the food between the 24th, 25th, and 26th and then come back to camp 15 pounds heavier. Like, I just don't see it happening. I think you could James, still celebrate Christmas and have break. the time off. Yes, come on. Get, you're gonna be okay get, for three days off and celebrate. But maybe people can, your family can hang out with you here as opposed to you having to fly somewhere when you're getting ready for a season. You can still take a few days off, can't you? These guys are all working out now. It doesn't matter if they had to play December fifteenth; they would be ready to go. It's part of principle. 
And when the boss from the other side is going, damn it, I want to play January 1st, you're going, really? You can't always get what you want. We're deferring our salary. We will be done in July. We will play in a Canadian division. We will quarantine when we come around. What did we get? Ah, guys, we'll start at January 15th. You know, keep training, keep training, have a couple days away, get through the holidays. January 2nd is going to be the first day of camp. Excellent. Okay, sounds good. I think it'll be a battle of principle. I think January 15th is where it goes. You love your Christmas, and now you're putting the screws to 700 guys who have just gone, no, it's the new year. We'll start it two weeks into January. I believe that's what will happen. What do you expect for these guys to do for Christmas? Do you expect them? Like, do you friend. expect them to travel? Like, do you are you are you expecting Elias Pettersson needs to have three days so he can fly back to Sweden, spend time with mom and dad, and then fly They're not back going here? anywhere? Well, then why can't you celebrate Christmas with three days off here in your region? Guys aren't going to get out nope. of shape by taking three days off if you have camp between the fifteenth and December thirty first. That's two weeks, man. You're missing the point. Not about shape. I'm not missing and I'd the yell point. At you if I didn't have a hernia surgery. <laughs> Because you're being ridiculous. A note to DJ APD, the program director. Seaball will work December 25th because he doesn't really care. It's nothing special. This is all about principle and saying, Gary Bettman, I know you want it January 1st, and I know you're going to be there, but we're going to start at January 15th. That's what we'll sign off on. It's all about principle. It's not about the actual day. It's not about turkey and dressing. It's not about presents. It's all about principle and going, listen, we did what we had to. Those guys went on the bubble. They stayed in a bubble. It was tough for them. They did it. They will get a win, and their win will be we're starting the NHL season January 15th. Oh, my gosh. Am I the, am I the only one not on crazy pills this morning? No, a lot of people texting in say you're crazy. <laughs> we'll address these next in a moment here on your home of the Canucks. Dunbar Lumber text line, always open for business. I'll set you all straight here at 650-650 in a moment on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. A lot of people angry at me here this morning, Perry. Right, you're the Grinch, man. You are Mr. Christmas, probably doing the show today in a Christmas sweater. And then you're telling the NHL players, screw it, go play. Someone texting in on the Dumber Lombard text line, uh, what about the guys that have had tragic losses in their family this year and want to spend the Christmas without their loved ones for the first time with their families? See, uh, listen, it makes an awful lot of sense, James. Just let them have a negotiating win, and that means they don't have to start January 1st. January 1st is about college football. Let it have that. Gary Bettman, nice idea. It's been good what you've run with the outdoor stadium. That's all a bunch of fun. Not going to happen this year with the fans. The NHLPA will win and say, we'll play this, and let's get her going January 15th. Yes, so you can't spend Christmas here in the city that you work in. Yeah, you can. Okay, hold hold and that thought. May. Hold that thought. We'll, we'll we'll get to some more of this uh, in in just a quick second. But we have a a special guest joining us here on the line, uh, Tyler Smith, uh, and one of the survivors of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. Uh, Tyler, good morning. And and I say before anything, man, honestly, like the story that you have lived and the life that you have lived and experienced, I I just want to give you like a virtual hug. Um, for everything that you've had to endure at such a young age. So thank you for taking the time with us this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, well, a virtual hug taken and, and reciprocated. I appreciate that a ton, and, and thanks for having me on. It's great to have you on. And before we get into it, Tyler, I've got to try and help you a little bit. Now, 
read the article that are you still taking radio and television arts at Nate? Yeah, yeah, I'm in the television broadcasting side of uh, the program at Nate. So I'm in my third semester of that. So I got my placement slash practicum coming up in January here. Okay, so Tyler, is Chris Durham one of your instructors still? Is he there? <laughs> you got it. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. <laughs> okay, well, there's a mistake right there. But just <laughs> tell him that you talked to Perry Solkowski, a proud graduate that I think they kicked me out of that way back in the <laughs> early 90s. But... No, that's awesome, man. Uh, myself and you being a hockey guy, I was in a class with Gene Principe. So oh, uh, radio, radio intelligent arts is, has, uh, is a great thing to hang out at Nate. And Durham was a, a longtime colleague of mine. And I'll let you know this. Just one last note. Next week, he won't be teaching because it's Thursday. And that means it's Thanksgiving NFL football. And I swear to God, that guy was the laziest reporter. And he never worked on that day. Just so we could watch football. <laughs> Would always say he was sick. Yeah, it's it's quite crazy. There's there's quite a few classes where if we get him on a sports topic, he'll uh, he'll run with that, which is nice. But <laughs> yeah, he sure loves his football. Tyler, give us a, give us a sense of how life. I mean, it's hard to believe it's been two and a half years since that uh, that day that just had the entire country and the entire world almost uh, grieving for for you guys with the tragic bus crash. But how are things today? Um, yeah, good. Obviously, um, I mean it looking back i think it still feels it feels like yesterday it feels like yesterday that the that was that day so um now i think a lot of us have been been able to kind of move forward and and a lot of us are going to school or starting a career or whatever it may be so um for me personally it's it's been a it's been a journey it's been it's been an everyday thing um that's one of the models i've kind of lived by is just take take it every each and every day that it comes um whether it's a good or bad day but i mean i'm in school um i've I was able to kind of finish on my, my junior career playing junior B in Leduc here, which was a, which is a treat. But uh, now it's just, yeah, it's obviously very weird times and trying times, but I, I, I can't complain of, of where we're at. Uh, Tyler, you know, you've got a clothing line. You're on because of mental health. And, and the whole thing is to just always talk about it. I'm curious as you're a college student and you're innate, you come there, you're, hey, you just want to learn. You're, you're like any other classmate there. When they start to figure out your story, or do you tell them that story? How do you approach that? Yeah, actually, it's funny. Even yesterday, one of the guys in my class watched one of my interviews on Global News, and he goes, he said straight up, he said, I, I just learned more about you in the, these last two minutes than I've learned about you in these last year and a half. And and I think that's just, I mean, you said it, I, I come to school to learn and I'm not trying to, to look for any, you know, pity or anything from anybody. I just want to come, come do my job and, and, and get the stuff done and learn. And, and I mean, there's been a couple of classmates that have uh, brought it up and I think that's, it's, it's too bad because I mean, they come up to me with, uh, with such big hearts and just wanting to, to obviously show that they care. And I, I think they just find themselves speechless at times, which I mean, I just look at them and I go, no, I, I appreciate you coming up and, and there's, you don't have to say anything and, and just you coming up is, is, is the most important thing. So it's, uh, yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate enough to have a, a, a great class. Tyler Smith here on uh, Sportsnet 650. Men's health is uh, what the awareness is for Movember at this time of the year. Uh, how's your duster first off? it's wicked i will say it's uh it's coming along quite nicely and my my girlfriend popped on board with uh with the mustache train so 
I'm all about it. I love it. She she loves the look of it now too, which is great. So yeah. I mean, that's a bonus. I'm assuming it's just greasy, but but the the message behind the mo at the root of it, it really speaks to um, the message has been simple for several years now. Let's stop men dying from too young. Uh, and and you know this is something that obviously hits home for you when. You know, I think three and four suicides um, are, are men, right? It's uh, it, it's it's something real, and, and we're starting to kind of open up a little more from a societal standpoint about mental health, and I think you can certainly speak to what you've endured over the last two and a half years. Yeah, obviously there's that, that stereotype around men that needs to change, but you can you can see the shift. You can see that, I mean, professional sports athletes, DeMar DeRozan, Dak Prescott, these guys are coming out talking about the fact that you know what, just because they're professional athletes doesn't mean they're invincible to the fact that that mental health affects everybody. And that's, that's just the big thing, especially being a hockey player, as much as the sport is physical, it is so mental as well. And, and as soon as your mental health game is off, then, then there goes your performance, there goes your focus, there goes a lot of things. And it's this, there's a lot of factors that tie in and there's a lot of men that suffer in silence, which is why you see those numbers, you see those, those suicide numbers, you see that, average of six years uh, for men death earlier. I mean, it's just, it's just sad because there's, there's so many men that really take on that full masculine, got to be strong, got to be, can't show emotion, kind of that stereotype. And it's just, that needs to change because as, as, as I experienced, I mean, you can get down to a spiral down effect of, of a ticking time bomb or anything like that, which is, uh, which isn't what nobody wants to see around you. And, and you know what, Tyler, uh, my question is this. I, I don't know, you know, when do we define a man? I don't think we define it by a number and say they're an age. I would I would call you a kid. You're a young man, but you're a kid to me. Going, you're in college. you got so much in front of you. Do you find in your demographic, in your age group, that that although it's, you know, you got to be tough, you got to be cool, they are starting to talk a little bit more? I would say so, and I think you can you can see that in even youth hockey. I did a, a speech for a Bantam AAA team that my friend coaches yesterday just because, I mean, mental health matters. And, I mean, especially in this day and age, this new generation has to deal with a lot of um, pressures and everything that, I mean, maybe even my generation didn't have to deal with, with social media, with all that. Um, so I think the shift is, has started. And you can see that a lot of the youth around the around the nation are actually starting to to put their mental health at the forefront of their lives and and realize that self care is not selfish and and they're starting to take the necessary steps in order to to you know put put that mental health as an importance and 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 take care of it instead of just putting it on the back burner. You uh, there were so many people uh, and you look at the millions that was raised in support of the families impacted with the Broncos bus crash. Tyler, um, for a lot of people here in Metro Vancouver that are listening this morning, any message for for just I'm sure you probably haven't had a chance to connect, but I'm sure there's probably got so many messages of support from over the last couple of years. Anything you'd like to say for people listening? Uh, Yeah, I mean, every time I do one of these things, I, I think it's just it's so important for me to, to just tell people how grateful, I mean, my family is, I know probably all the 29 families, I don't want to speak for everybody, but um, especially my family going through it, looking back, just, just that support and that love from around the nation and even around the world was just, it was so overwhelmingly positive and, and incredible. And that's just, that just goes right back to the fact that 
hockey is Canada's sport and it's such a small world and it's such a family and it's such a community and and the the nation took took us on their wing and 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 helped us get through it and and I will I can definitely say that that support is uh is was one of the main reasons why I was able to get through most days just seeing the seeing the notes and the and the and the gifts showing up at our door was just so special uh, hey, you started a clothing line. Man, it's cool. And, and the message is right in front of you. Uh, not alone. It's okay to not be okay. I think it kind of grew a little more than you thought. If people are listening right now, can they still purchase product like that that goes towards mental health? Yeah, yeah, it definitely uh, grew a little more than I expected. But that just goes back to the support factor. Um, uh, immensely grateful for the support. But uh, we just uh, reopened the online link, actually. So I was going to make a a little Instagram page just with the the link in the bio, just to uh, if people were interested in in purchasing a sweater. Um, it's I was a little in over my head as soon as I started it when I saw the the amount of people that wanted one. But I, I it's just so important for me to give back, and I've been able to make some donations to mental health awareness because of the sweaters. So that's uh, that's been a big thing for me. Well, Perry loves free stuff, so if you ever want to send him something, uh, he'll appreciate that. That's a, that's a media you know, lesson. You know who by else way. loves free stuff is Durham. Don't believe everything they th- that he teach tells you. <laughs> Chris Durham, that's right. Thanks, Tyler. Nice Tyler, to catch up with you. Thank and, you, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you so much again for having me, and I will be sure to to pass off the message to Chris. And uh, all the best, guys. There he is, uh, Tyler Smith, uh, survivor of the Humble Broncos bus crash. Uh, sounds like he's in a good head play, headspace today and uh, raising awareness for a good cause for November and uh, just raising awareness about mental health, man, because uh, it's conversations that still need to be had. And, look, we're seeing it, and I think a lot of people are feeling it. And I think a lot of people, it's hitting home for a lot of people <laughs> at this time of the year. But you look at your, your the, the importance that you have preached on Christmas for the players this year, for crying out loud, Perry. Well, yeah, that's exactly. I'm trying to get you on side here. Think about that. What a nice young man to uh, be involved. And, James, I don't know, but having taken the, the radio intelligence arts, I don't think it's changed that much. You're in a very small circle in your class, right? I, we might have had 12, 13 people because of what you have to do. And for Tyler to just go in there and, hey, he just wants to chase a dream or what he's interested in and to have a classmate of his come up to him in the last couple of days as he suggested and said, man, I had no idea. Um, you know, but it has shaped his life. It will kind of be the steps that he takes in his life. Having been part of that humble Bronco team, he went back there and played some games. Um, and now there's an advocate who is giving back and, uh, sending such an important, important message to everyone in his age group and everyone of men's health, man, not alone. And we know it in our station because the great work that Corey Hirsch does, but his look for his clothing line, not alone. It's okay. To not be okay. Uh, great to talk to Tyler Smith. All right, eight forty-five. Some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show at the top of the clock here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet six fifty. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet six fifty. All right, ten minutes to nine o'clock. Scott Rintoul Show. Come- at the top of the hour, Sabalski Solkowski here on this Wednesday morning. Uh, story on Three Down Nation this morning, pair that uh, BC Lions president Rick Lollisher uh, is still of the opinion that Mike Riley 
the face that runs the place when it comes to the BC Lions. Uh, the quarterback will be with the team when uh, the CFL returns to play and kick off in 2021. This despite the fact that uh, Riley has filed a grievance wanting some money that he is apparently owed by the Lions, but uh, Rick Lullisher uh, saying that, yeah, no, we, we signed him to a four-year deal, um, and, you know, we uh, we still see him um, we still see him being part of that, essentially. Yeah, I, you know, I, I know our debate was all day, when does the NHL start again, but I'd be curious to see uh, when and if, um, you know, with the passing of David Braley, uh, wheels are in motion for the Lions to uh, decide what happens with ownership as they try and put forth. And and Randy Ambrosi, the the commissioner, yesterday saying, "Hey, there will certainly be a CFL season. They'll be ready to go, whether fans are watching or not. They've got to play football." Um, but curious to see when that happens. But if Mike Riley's a part of it, that's good. You would think they'd be able to settle the contentious issue that is about a quarter million dollars in a contract that he signed. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I'll tell you what, like there's a league that needs to play, right? I mean, you, you look about the, the conversations and, and the relevance, like, you know, we, we've just talked about this at the outset of the week um, and how the NHL, like the narrative about the NHL until those jerseys dropped a couple of days ago, man, like it had been really quiet since the beginning of November when it comes to hockey outside of like, okay, when are we going to return to play? Like out, outside of that, there hasn't really been much of that sort of conversation. Like the jerseys gave the NHL a narrative here um, on sports talk radio, on sports networks, on the television side, on digital. But pair like, like you know, the NHL needs to maintain its relevance as you know the NFL's up and running right now. You've got the NBA now going full steam ahead. They've got the draft that you know goes later on today, and you know no clear cut number one overall generational talent this year. There's no Zion hype, um, so we'll wait and see how that plays out later tonight. But you know the NBA and the NFL have dominated the headlines lately, and the NHL needs to get back and trying to generate some sort of buzz because there just hasn't been in recent weeks. But I, but James, see, I, I guess I'm not bothered by it to the sense that you kind of have the sports calendar of 2020. And to me, the mindset is if they're going to be playing in January, then really where we are now is kind of, um, you know, a, a late July where you're going to have three or four weeks where it's quiet. You know, all the signings have been done, tradings have been made, and, and, and I'm just going in a normal offseason. We still wait for some some key entry-level contracts to be re-signed. Coquitlam's Matt Brazel still needs to know what's going on. Mike Hoffman needs a place to play. But it, there is a quiet time in the summer where you go, okay, everything's kind of been done. We're going to take a breath, and then players are going to start coming back and gearing up for the season. So to me, in my sports calendar mindset where the season is, it's late July, getting to August. It's going to be three weeks of quiet time, and then we're ready to go. I agree with you. You've never had that before. NBA is going to start it up, and, and the NFL will always be the big noise factor. But I know we're going to have a couple weeks of quiet time for the NHL. Get it done, organize it, and then we're ready to go. In January, we come out of the blocks, and I'm not going to say it'll be normal, but we'll talk hockey, hockey, hockey every day, almost every second day, because we're going to get so much in such a short period of time. Well, we got to get out of here, but I, one thing I've learned in 2020 that based on going through how many months that we had with no sports between putting up with you for three hours a day and no sports for how many months, man, any show will be easy to do once the puck finally actually drops in 2021, yeah. whenever that will be. <laughs> and if nothing else, my friend, what you've learned in this past three hours, 
according to our Dunbar Lumber text line, don't screw with Christmas. <laughs> bah humbug. Talk to you Thursday, people.